lies. Lies and heresy. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. If the devil's evidence is to be accepted, the virtuous people are in the greatest of danger. For it is against these that Satan rages most violently. You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the GGTMC. You know, the only thing I regret about that intro is I don't have that uh, audio of uh, Alyssa saying Rupert's name, so I could add it to it. So, Will, you're going to have to send me that at some point, because I don't have that. So, Oh, I'm very sorry. You know what? I'll uh, remind me at the end here, and I'll send you the, the variations well, I have. I'm terribly sorry for that. With saying that, uh, we do have our special uh, West Coast correspondent, Rupert Pupkin, with us today uh, from the West Coast. You want to say hello to everybody there, Brian? Hello, listeners. I love that on the show. On the show, we call everybody by their nicknames and their real names. As long as we're not calling each <laughs> other, right. as long as we're not calling each other insulting names, I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we're fine. <laughs> All right. So this week we are covering. Um, what year is Zoo Zero from? Even the year of my birth, nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> Explains a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially that cover. Uh, yeah. The uh, okay, Zoo Zero from nineteen seventy nine. From uh, I-, I guess is that Alan or Elaine? Fleischer? Alain Fleischer. Alain Fleischer. And uh, we are covering uh, The Devils from Ken Russell in 1971. And The Devils was basically inspired. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring somebody back on, especially Rupert, was his interview with uh, Dennis. How do you say his last name? Casalio? Is that how you say it? Casalio, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were yeah. talking about The Devils so much. And I had forgotten to put it on one of our roadmaps. I've been wanting to talk about it since, Jesus, it's been a long time. I mean, we'll have talked about it back and forth forever. So uh, that's why I moved it on here. So I'm glad to have Rupert on here for this show. In particular. All right. So that is all of that. And I want to say thank you to everybody who's donated to the show. You guys have donated enough money to support the show for another three months, uh, which uh, me and Will are just like stunned every time we ask and people uh, donate and stuff. It's just amazing. And, and I, guys, some people have donated. I, I said this before. Some people have donated as little as 50 cents. I, I appreciate that donation as much as I appreciate the other donations. So thank you very much. Anything you're giving to, to a couple of dudes who sit around in red leather pants and no shirts. Uh, although I think Brian wears white leather pants because he's on the West Coast. You know how those West Coasters are. That's how they roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. <laughs> but uh, I really do appreciate it, and I know Will does too. So thank you very much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. I and I, I think we also need to say that we appreciate Brian recording at 5 a.m. in those white leather pants. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, the guy's a soldier. Man. The guy got up at – I don't want to use the word soldier. Let me retract that. The guy is – a team player, three thirty in the morning, <laughs> West Coast time. Yes, the pupkin was up in white leather recording. Yes, that's right, man. I sleep in white leather. Yes, <laughs> nice, nice. All right. all right, so that is uh, that is all the pleasantries and everything in the intro out of the way. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching a little bit. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick it over to Brian first. He's the guest. Uh, you want to tell us what you've been watching lately, Brian? Sure. Yeah. Let me see. I'm just looking at my list here. Um, I was home. At uh, went home to visit my parents for a little family reunion and did some movie watching while I was there. Um, 
uh, with my some with my just my wife and some with my 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 whole family. But um, let's see, I watched uh, the Book of Eli, um, MacGruber. We watched my wife and I watched in a, a hotel we were staying at. Uh, old dogs. <laughs> That was for my son. That was that well, was quite hey, a bullet you, to you know, take. You get you, you got to watch certain things with kids that you wouldn't normally watch. Understandable. Oh, a bullet yeah. to take. You jumped on the grenade, man. Yeah, that yeah. Is, it was that. it was pretty pretty ridiculous. I he, mean, just a movie that makes no sense. Really, yeah, it just he, doesn't have. Even my love of Travolta believe, can't take me past that threshold. <laughs> well, and that was the other thing is that my wife and I have been on a Travolta kick since we went to see Saturday Night Fever at the um, Hollywood Cemetery. A couple weeks ago, is we've always had this connection to Saturday Night Fever because my wife, it was uh, the first R-rated movie that she saw. Her mom, who's since passed away, uh, took her to see it, uh, and so we just have this big connection to it. So we've been on a Travolta kick. We watched Grease. I bought her the Blu-ray, and nice. so anyway, I thought, okay, well, we'll do some current Travolta. We watched Old Dogs. And it was a mess. Uh, of all the current, um, of all the current Travolta, they <laughs> got old dogs going. <laughs> Well, it was it was like we were in the hotel with my son, and you know, it was just like, okay, here's the newest movie, newer movies, and oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I know. Not a not a good idea. Don't recommend it for anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, we watched uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, um, which my son liked a lot. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Um, we watched. My mom and my sister picked When in Rome. Um, ah, oh wow! You took you had a bad week, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough one. Although I got to say, this is going to sound bad, but when in Rome actually had a few funny moments for me. Although it's completely predictable, okay. so by the numbers. Um, uh, I watched Greenberg, which I really liked a lot. Um, okay. It's not, it's not one that everybody's going to go for, but um, I think Baumbach is one of my. He's he's a, an American director that I like a lot. Yeah, he is um, good. He is good. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, he's got a really specific style. It's very sort of downbeat dramas now, with you know, injected with some comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stiller is really great in the role. He's not a very likable character, and I will say that the ladies that watch the movie may find him even less <laughs> likable. He just he he says some things to certain characters that are yeah. it's really hard. I, my wife checked out at, at a certain point. <laughs> we had, well, I mean, it was like we had the baby, and she was. She was sort of in and out of being sleeping, and my wife was just like, I'm done. After a certain scene, she was like, I'm done. I, I want to go to bed. And so I finished it by myself. But I think she would have liked it if, if it hadn't been for circumstances. Um, I, but I would put that, for me, you know, Inception's probably my favorite movie of the year so far, and I would say Greenberg is my number two. Um, that's pretty high praise, I'm sure, for some. But um, I've watched Diary of a Wimpy Kid on the Plane Back. Um, not very good. Um, mm. uh, Heart Like a Wheel was on MGM. Yes. Oh no, it was on HDNet. Yes. And uh, Rick, you're a fan of that, right? Yeah, yeah, I like that movie. I, I hadn't seen it, and uh, it's really great. Great Kaplan movie. Um, very stylish, and Bonnie Bedelia is great. Good stuff. It is good stuff. Uh, then we watched The Runaways on Blu-ray uh, a couple nights ago. Um, I'm with you, Rick. I think it's it's okay, not great. Although I. I think I saw on Twitter that Christine from Paris Cinema is obsessed with it. She's a big fan. So uh, I know that there are some that will appreciate it more than I did. I just, yeah. it didn't, I don't know, it didn't quite didn't quite click for me. It didn't quite get to where I hoped it would get to. And I have to say that I was a little distracted by, although the performances by Kristen Stewart and, um, what's her name? Dakota Fanning. The other? Dakota Fanning are great. <clears throat> I, was, I was sort of always reminded that it was them. 
And yeah. I think because yeah. I know both Cherie Curry and Joan Jett, <clears throat> like what they're like and what they look like, I kept kind of not being able to quite picture them as those characters. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess those two, those two, those two women are very iconic and they have a certain look and, um, you know, like I said, performances are good, but I just couldn't get past that at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Uh, then we saw airplane at the uh, Hollywood cemetery with my son, nice. which was great. He, he loves airplane. Uh, and I watched the road, um, finally, uh, mm -hmm. the other night and that was good stuff. Very, very tough watch, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we finally got to it. So you did uh, dig it then, Bray? Yeah, we did. We definitely did. You know, and, and I, I gotta say emotionally, um, I wasn't there with it until the like last five minutes or so. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. oh, you're you're saying ah oh, because of the last five minutes. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to give anything away. Hopefully, that's not too. But but not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it could be a, a, a touching thing. I don't want to listen necessarily. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. It's just an emotional moment. But but like I I was getting through a certain point in the movie, and I was like, oh man, I really feel like I'm I'm emotionally involved in that. There's a lot of suspense in certain scenes, and I'm definitely into these characters. But I feel like I'm not quite getting to a certain point. And then there's a certain line, and I'm getting a little, you know, it's a really well-delivered line by Vigo, and it really got me. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys remember it, but we can talk about it. I will always remember that line. Yes, yeah, so. It's a great line, and it really, I'm, like I said, it makes me a little emotional just yeah. just thinking about it. Because being being a parent, it's it's just it's such a truism, what he says, and he says it at a great moment, too. But uh, anyway, good stuff. Um, so then I think that's it for me. I think that's all I got. Nice. Yeah, all right. outside of the movies for this week. Good. Uh, not, a, not, not exactly a quality list, but still a robust list. To <laughs> no, definitely list. not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. I'm glad you dug Heart Like a Will, though. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a drag racing movie. It's not really a very popular type of uh, genre. And not only that, it's a female drag racing movie. So I'm glad you yeah, dug it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's really got some interesting performances. Bo Bridges is a guy that I think... There aren't that many that could pull off a role like uh, I forget the name of his character in um, Heart Like a Will, but he's a womanizer and kind of a scumbag, but he's still kind of charismatic and lovable. And yeah. Bo Bridges can pull that off somehow. Not that many people can. I think Bo Bridges has got a certain he's got an ability. That guy. Yeah, yeah, he's always overshadowed by his brother, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's really good. I agree. All right, uh, Large William, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been reacquainting myself with the mighty Luke Miranda, <laughs> nice. and I, uh, I did a film called A Man Called Magnum. Uh, really mm. dug this film. My faith in the Miranda has been restored. I th just think early on I picked some films that uh, didn't quite do it for me, but he's, you know, the last three or four I've watched them, I've really liked them, and I was talking with someone about this. I don't remember who it was now. Gosh, was it Alex maybe? I can't remember, but that's Loaf. Uh, about just how insane some of the stunts he does in, re in his films are. So, uh, good film. It has a really cool kind of, uh, like a, a Brazilian kind of score to it. It's it's really oh, cool. Nice. Um, I went to watch Hausu or rewatch Hausu on the big screen uh, with Uncool Cat and Vishnu and my buddy Eric. Uh, had a lot more energy on the big screen. Really mm -hmm. dug the film. Um, I watched uh, a film that Chris had burned for me that will be on the next GGTMC roadmap. It's called Get Even or AKA Road to Revenge. <laughs> I told you about this one, Sammy, and maybe you, Brian. It's really, imagine David Hevener being less talented and more arrogant. Um, 
and you might have an idea about this film. It uh, has William Smith and Wings Hauser in it. Oh, wow. Um, a lot of leather pants. Um, uh, William Smith plays a corrupt cop slash head of a satanic cult who kills babies and smuggles drugs. Um, really incredible stuff. Wings Hauser delivers some incredible lines that he must have freewheeled. So great stuff. Um, I watched Stuart of Life Backwards at the recommend of a, a, a listener of ours. I couldn't find it online, but it was kind of serendipitous. My wife and I were scrolling through our on-demand, and there it was. So good stuff, man. Uh, just further proves that Tom Hardy is one of the best out there. Um, my I was going to say real, real quick, Rick, you like Tom Hardy in Inception, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I liked him quite a bit in it, actually. Uh, he's, uh, I think he's fantastic in it. Yeah, he's my favorite just... part of that film uh, altogether, as far as the acting goes. Uh, although I think yeah. everybody in the film is pretty good. Okay, anyway, sorry not to sidetrack too much, Will, but I just wanted to give Tom Hardy props. He was great in that movie. He mm-hmm. totally was. Um, next, my wife did something uh, that I told Rick. I coined the phrase, she Mario Ellie'd me. Nice. Uh, Mario <laughs> Ellie is a Houston Rocket from the 90s, a role player. Didn't do much, but... When the time came, he could break your heart with a last-second shot to win the game. So we were going to go see Salt in the theater. Last second, my wife goes, let's go see The Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> and then, oh, fuck. So I was like, all right, you know what? I can be a little bitch and stomp my feet, but my wife watches far too much insane shit for me to cause a fuss. So we went to see it, and uh, surprisingly, I really dug it, man. Uh, this Ooh. is a film Rick and I mocked the hell out of. Yeah. You can't help it when you see that trailer, man. Oh, seen a bunch. It's the, it's, it's not the trailer. It's the pilgrim outfit. It's, it's the, the pilgrim, the three quarter length leather coat, <laughs> and he's, you know, it's just it's Nicolas Cage in the coat and the hat, and you know. But I'll give the film this for what it is. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it panders, which is important for me um, for a kids movie. Um, Cage is fantastic. It's got Bellucci, Molina's chewing it up really well as a bad guy. It's got Toby Kibble from Rock and Roll and Dead Man's Shoes as a douchey Chris Angel type magician. So nice, yeah, good stuff for what it is, man. I, I recommend uh, people to check it out for what it is. Um, then the next film I saw was William's first uh, movie on the big screen, nice. How, to, How to Train Your Dragon. It was an outdoor screening uh, near where we live, so I figured you know, and it was free, so free and outdoors. Uh, let's perfect take it, combo. yeah, perfect combo. Uh, so we took him, and he enjoyed it. I, there was the moment I'll, I'll always have that photograph in my head of me looking beside me at him laying on my wife's chest, eating popcorn, watching the movie, and it was just—it's uh, a moment I'll never forget. So, did uh, uh, did he manage to stay still during most of the movie? That's a, that's an important question here. I think. Well, he did, but the problem was he took a dump, and you know <laughs> I don't blame him for not staying still when he took a dump in his pants. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's <laughs> way. Pretty. You know, I, I still- wouldn't be staying still in the theater e- either if. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Drop the Snickers bar in my drawers, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, then I watched La Strada, which was one of the last of my Fellinis. Uh, really good film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Giulietta Messina, who is Fellini's wife, was fantastic in it. Have uh, you seen Knights of Kabiria yet, Phil? Uh, Wait, sorry, I'm not Phil. Why did I call you Will? I, I don't know why you did, but uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. Awesome. <laughs> I will, though, because I know she's the star in it. And her, it's funny you mentioned that film. Because I also watched The White Sheik, and the character Kabiria shows up in that film first. Oh, I did not see that. I haven't seen that. That's yeah, cool. she, she's got a small part in that. So I watched The White Sheik, which was the, the weakest of the Fellinis I saw, but was still good. Uh, <clears throat> I watched Roma, which was his love letter to Rome. Um, a lot of people don't like it. I really enjoyed it. And that's it. What have you watched, Sammy? Nice. Tearing through some movies today. By the way, Brian, I have to ask you, since you were talking about your movies, did you like uh, the Book of Eli? I thought it 
it was I thought it was pretty good. I had low expectations going in. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know about the ending. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and overall, like I can see why people might might not have dug it in certain ways, mm-hmm. certain things about it. But it was you know it was okay for what it was for me. I mean, were you a big fan or what did you think? No, of it? no. I, I liked the first half quite a bit, but the second half really. After a certain point where they end up at the house of a character, I'm not gonna say anything more than that. I just, yeah. I really, I really just fell out of it. I was like, oh, come on, really? We're we gonna go there? I yeah. Just, I, I just got less interested, but it looked really good, and I thought the Hughes brothers—they have a nice look to their film. So, all right. Yeah, I feel like they've got one, one really good one left in them somewhere. Yep. Yep. I've heard they're going to split up, actually, and start making films on their own. That's what I've heard. So. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, okay. So what I watched this past week, I watched uh, 2010. The uh, Peter Himes uh, sequel to 2001. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why I watched this. I, well, I do know why I watched this. It was on HDNet, and I was sitting in front of the TV, and it came on, and I watched it. Simple as that. That's what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, it, it's still it's still the sequel to 2001. It's not 2001, that's for sure. <laughs> no doubt about that. I watched uh, another one of the ESPN 30 for 30s. This one's almost my favorite so far, the Muhammad and Larry one. Oh, have, nice. have you seen that one yet, Will? No, I want to though. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a fantastic one, man! Fucking fantastic. Check that one out. And and to, and to add to that, I saw another one that was fantastic, and that's the King's Ransom one. That was the Wayne Gretzky one. I saw that one. That one's fantastic too. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it is really good. Um, other than that, I watched some lighthearted fare. I watched uh, Aftermath, the Nacho Cerda short. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you ever seen Aftermath, Brian? No, what is that? Uh, this is an infamous short. Uh, it's on Netflix Instant Watch, so just kind of watch it and get back with me. But I don't have any kids around when you watch it, okay? Okay, well, I'm gonna put it on the queue now. <laughs> it's for the it's for the gore hounds. Uh, interesting stuff. A little, uh, but obviously, Will has seen it. <laughs> Not yeah, as as he has, uh, our good friend Rick said, uh, Bry, make sure your sons. <laughs> The children, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty careful about not just kind of throwing something up. <laughs> I don't that I don't know anything about or that I have suspicions about before, while uh-huh. he's around. I'm yeah, pretty, that, pretty careful. That one right there will ruin a child. <laughs> ruin them. <laughs> All right. Uh, other than that, I watched a piece of crap known as the Haunted World of El Super Bisto. That's the animated uh, Rob Zombie movie. It was on Instant Watch. I watched it. Fucking terrible. I hated it. Um. <laughs> I watched uh, Sugar. This is a baseball movie, Dominican Republic. About the Dominican Ooh, Republic. I wanted to see that one. Yeah, I've been wanting to see that. Too. I started it, and I got to say I wasn't into it at the time, but I love the filmmaker, so I got to give it another look. It's good. It's good. It's not really about baseball. It's more about just the Dominican uh, kind of culture and how these kids are raised to play baseball and stuff in hopes of going to America and making money, things like that. And it's, 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 it's a pretty good coming-of-age story. I think it's really a good drama. It's a good, solid film. I'd probably give it like a seven and a half. 7.75. Okay. It's really good stuff. Nice. And last but certainly not least, I watched the. Uh, I finally had to get involved in this thing, this uh, Millennium Trilogy. I watched The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So I think I liked it a little bit more than Will did. I, I know Will liked it, but didn't love it. I, I liked it quite a bit. It was. Uh, I, I liked. I don't know if I, I liked. I, I don't know how to explain it. I think I liked the procedure of the thing mm-hmm. and uh, the way it was constructed and stuff. And it really kind of had me enraptured and stuff. And I really liked that. And it was. The thing that kind of stunned me is I was really kind of surprised at how kind of graphically sexually violent it was. I was going to say that's the thing I think of with uh, 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 what's her name? I was going to call her uh, something Beth, uh, not Joe Beth. Fuck the, Liz- the main girl, Liz- Lizbeth. Lizbeth, what, what she goes through is pretty intense. Fuck yeah! And then there's a you know a little bit of uh, payback there, and it's just oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah. You know, so, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. And I'm looking forward to the other two pieces. I'd like to see what, uh, you know, where this goes and stuff. So hopefully I'll check them out pretty soon. But that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Other than the films we watched for the show, that's all I got to. Been watching a lot of Archer, the TV show, that animated TV show. Fucking hilarious. Which I'm going to get I- into soon. I heard somebody compare that to Arrested Development. Was that on this show? Miles, Miles. Miles did. That's right. That's really high praise. And I got to say, I watched the first episode and I didn't love it. Yeah. So I don't know what's wrong with me because I love Arrested. No, I I thought the first episode was funny, but it it got progressively better as I got to know what the characters were going to kind of say. And it it gets progressively more perverted and strange, too, the further along it goes. So it's, that's cool. I love what's his name, the the lead voice guy. Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name either, but John something. Yeah, it's a good it's a good show. It's a good solid show. John Benjamin. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, all right. So that is everything. What do you guys want to cover first? You want to do Zoo Zero Zoo, first? Zoo Zero first. <laughs> okay, that was easy. All right, we'll uh, we'll be back with our review of uh, Zoo Zero right after this break. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just dealing, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the picture. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. So he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Alright, we are back from break. I almost didn't turn my volume up in time. All right, that is our uh, Funky 16 Corners uh, track of the week. That is uh, the Johnny Otis Show with uh, Country Girl. Am I right on this, Will? Yes, you are. <laughs> Make sure I didn't want to get anybody with the uh, carb, whatever I called things like Carbo last freeze or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was looking through John DeHart's filmography, and sadly, it's only you know one film and one, one lead and then a news reporter and another film, sadly. It's funny. You look at, um, on uh, what's his name, on Wings Houser's MySpace wall, like, that guy, John DeHart, calls himself Johnny D, and he's always like, love you, buddy. How are you doing? Like, like he's trying to chum with uh, the wings, and you can tell the wings is just like, oh, man, I made one movie with you. There's another, <laughs> another name I wish I could have named my son was Wings. <laughs> but, that would have been incredible. We got to get more Wings Hauser on the show, man. Yeah, we got to get Wings Hauser himself on the show. <laughs> we, we should. I think we really got to try to. Yes. I think he could, man. Yeah, I think we could, we too. Could. All right, so our first film today is going to be uh, Zoo Zero, and uh, we'll pick this film. It's a CDB pick, and I'm going to let you try to synopsize this fucking thing, and uh, we'll get talking about it. Uh, either I'll take the lead or Rupert will take the lead. One of us. We'll get going. <laughs> One of you guys can take the lead. Uh, 
Okay, so this film, I kind of summarized it. There's really not much, which is strange in this day and age, not much on this film on the internet. There's no reviews online. Uh, It's only got 20 votes on IMDb with nary a single IMDb review. So directed by the unknown quantity Alain Fleischer, um, the lure was that it is about a zoo that at night turns into a burlesque and the animals transform into people, uh, and Klaus Kinski was in it. Um, and those were the main lures, and then the only other lure was uh, Bruno Natten was the cinematographer, and he is an incredible cinematographer. Um, but yeah, so I picked this film. It's available on Cinema Day Bazaar. Who wants to uh, to open up here at the review? Well, I'll let, Brian um, make, I'll let Brian make his confession here first. Okay, well, <laughs> as, as uh, we talked about off the air, uh, I think this is a first for GGTMC in that I didn't make it all the way through this movie, and I've never heard you guys say that uh, uh, you, you didn't finish the movie, so I kind of feel ashamed of that. I had, I will admit that I had some issues with the copy that I had where I couldn't finish it, but uh, after the half an hour that I saw, I really didn't want to because I, uh, I really didn't care for the film at all. Um, I, I did like uh, that... During the the opening credit song, for some odd reason, there's like isn't there like a sort of an electronic voice that's going off every oh, once yes. in a while? Yeah, and it's putting like a puzzle together of the earth. Yeah, and it, and it says it says Klaus like really. Oh, it's a, really it's cool a, it way. says it says the names of uh, most of the cast actually. Oh, did it really? I missed the other stuff because I heard Klaus and I was just like, "What?" Yeah, it, says Kla- cool. it says Klaus Kinski. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. Oh, it said their full name. Okay, I missed that. Okay. Um, I think for me, like my favorite part of the movie was there's the opening, there's an opening musical number, which goes on way too long. Mm. Uh, but at the very beginning of that is a little sort of tinkly piano intro that I thought was going to turn into come sail away by sticks, (laughs) but, um, sadly just turned into this really pretentious, uh, French woman like singing and, this is the thing. Like my wife has a thing about, she will talk about foreign cinema. My wife really likes Japanese cinema and she likes Italian cinema to a lesser extent, but she doesn't like French cinema very much. Oh. And I always say to her, well, you just haven't seen the right movies. And I talk about Truffaut and I'll talk about, um, you know, more contemporary stuff. And, and, you know, so that she admits that there's things she has yet to see that she will certainly like, but this is the kind of movie that makes her hate French cinema. It's just <laughs> really pretentious. Uh, it's, it's tedious. Um, you know, I, I just, I couldn't, I, I was so turned off by it. I, I was bored by it. Um, and I couldn't even get to the good Klaus stuff. Like, I barely saw Klaus in the half an hour that I saw the movie. Wait, here's um, here's the problem, Brian. There is no good Klaus stuff in the film. Oh, no. See, that's <laughs> terrible. I feel bad for you. This, is a, this is a weird movie because uh, Klaus plays a mute. Yeah. Well, no, he. Well, no, no. He's actually. He doesn't quite play a mute because that robot voice you heard is yes. Klaus, which is really, biz- <laughs> which is really bizarre because he's reading off the cast at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention Tony Steffens in this film too, as well. Famous. Oh, we did. Yeah, Tony Steffen, our boy from uh, Deadlock and a number of spaghetti westerns. Yes. Um, I, I like that the the chick, the main chick, um, look like. A little bit like Mia Farrow and Rosemary's yes, Baby. Yes, but, totally, but, totally. But Mia is way cuter than this chick. So yeah, so yeah. Mia, Mia, Mia likes Mia trims her bush a little bit more too. Yeah, I would imagine <laughs> she did. Okay, well, I didn't get to that part either. No, <laughs> you missed the the uh, make or break. <laughs> yeah, make or break. Well, well, I had a make or, I had a make or break, and I'll talk about it was later. It, but, was it the little but, person's uh, unibrow? 
Oh, that's well, incredible. No, but uh, that was good. That's almost as, that's almost as bulky as her uh, beaver there. <laughs> I'll say the poster for this movie is not bad. It looks interesting from the poster. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, that's that's about all the notes I have on what I saw of it. So. Okay. Now I'll defend this movie a little bit now, and uh, not, not a lot, but a little bit. Okay, yeah. So I'm into it. I'm I'm getting into. It. I see Klaus Kinski in the beginning. We get an opening uh, musical number, which I'm okay with. We had uh, two uh, opening musical numbers in a weird way this week. Very strange uh, how these films are similar in some ways. One being very good, and one being uh, which I just gave away my review of the Devils, really. But one being not so good. But it, this is one of the stranger openings. I think I put on your Facebook uh, page, uh, Will, the the inlet is the end, or is the inlet in the end, or something like that? You, you, no, I want to <laughs> clarify that, because you had misread that. That What does it say? The end, it says the end is the end. Oh, okay. I kept saying the inlet. The end, no, sorry, the end, it is the end, because there was that, the software they used to create the subs, because it's a fan-subbed movie, would sometimes put these blocks that look like letter I's or <laughs> yes. small L's. Yes, 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 yes. Which is why you thought it was the end lit is the end. <laughs> yes. but it, yeah, that's why I kept seeing that too. But it was actually the end, period. It is the end. Okay. Well, that's, either way, it's fine because it either doesn't make way. any sense. <laughs> yeah, it would make more sense if it was end lit, which isn't even a real word. That should tell you about this movie. Yeah. Uh, I did say to Will when I watched it uh, that I think this is potentially, uh, it's the strangest, one of the strangest movies we've done on the show. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is a weird movie. Uh, this is not going to be for a lot of people. I'd say 95% of the people that listen to this show will hate this thing. I want to hear what the head thinks of this movie. Oh, I don't That's want to. Yes. I don't even want to put him through that. He'll never listen to our show again. He'll be very angry. He'll hunt me down. He'll, he'll punch <laughs> you with a pair of those Green Hulk yeah. uh, fists. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be walking by the woods nearby my house, and I'll see this naked man with a Phillies hat on coming after me. <laughs> <laughs> like Andrew Davis and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Was it ten to midnight? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of like when we stumble upon something like this because it's kind of a reminder sometimes of uh, you know the places cinema goes. I know that sounds kind of crazy to say and stuff like that, oh, but I mean I kind of like that. I mean I I got a little bit, and I'm going to say this, and it, but it's only a slight taste. I got a little bit of a Jodorowsky vibe from the film. A little bit. There's only a taste yeah. of it. Uh, unfortunately, the biggest problem with this film is that there is very little Kinski. I think you get him in the first minute to five minutes, and then you don't get him again, literally until sixty-three minutes into the you movie. You know what? You know what this film? Sorry, excuse me, I cut you off. I, I don't think I wrote this down, and I do want to mention it. You know how this film would work? Uh, and it sounds bad, but I truly mean this. This film would work well if you were to play it at the background at a party or like a nightclub, like oh yeah, because there is there is a lot of strong visuals with the film, but the rest of it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Visually, the film is striking. Uh, yeah. The problem is, is that you don't care about anything that's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, biggest, yeah. that's the biggest problem. It's all visual. That, that's all this is. This is all visual stuff. There's nothing else going on here. It's, it's really kind of almost like avant-garde filmmaking in a lot of ways. It's just really there's nothing else going on. And I don't even know if there's really a narrative. I think there is. But I don't even want to get into it because I don't even want to talk about it. Um, we talked about it. We were, I was watching this, and Will and I were on the phone, and he was like, oh, I was worried it was going to be pretentious. And I was like, no, 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 it's just, it's just really weird. And then when I got the phone with him, I watched the scene, the scene in the hallway with the uh, person crawling around, and I was like, boom, Will just cursed me. This movie's fucking pretentious now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was ridiculous, that scene. The guy's fucking grapes are hanging down. 
<laughs> somebody's crawling. Somebody's playing a violin or a flute. Yeah. My bad. Fuck. Just bizarre. And I was like, okay, now we've crossed into pretentious territory. And then it just gets worse from there. Um, unfortunately, at one point, a Donald Duck dummy gets assassinated. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> kind of getting into that. The I don't think uh, will I don't think you made it that far, Brian. But there was some really weird. Uh, there's a character named Eves, or yeah, his name's Eve. 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 And uh, that actor's name is Rufus, and he's been in a ton of flicks. And um, he has this really weird, like he's a ventriloquist guy. So everything he says, he says like a ventriloquist, right? But he sounds like a ventriloquist with like a, uh, like a, uh, you know, like that, like a voice box for somebody that smoked yeah. too many cigarettes, had their larynx removed. Oh he speaks God. like that. The whole, I mean, it, it almost sounds like backwards talk. You know, like somebody played the audio backwards or something. It's so fucking weird, man. It just it doesn't make any sense why it was there. You know. I just don't really have too much to add to this movie. This review is going to be pretty short because all I can really say is, is this one just stays strange all the way through. It can be boring, but I don't regret watching it. I don't. I really don't regret watching it because I'm glad I saw it. It's just too bizarre not to see it at least one time. You know what I'm saying? I mean that that's my that's the best that's the best I can really give the the film really. It's just too fucking weird not to see it at least once. But uh, I'm not telling anybody out there they're going to like it. Because uh, I liked it, but only this one time. If I had to watch it again, if I had to evaluate it on story and things, I don't think I liked it as much. But, you know, my score is going to be reflective of how much I liked it. But it's not, I mean, I say I liked it, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm going to push this on everybody I meet because I'm not going to. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with this copy of this film. <laughs> it's going to be a coaster. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but that's really, I mean, that's really all I got to add. I mean, it really is unfortunate. Kinski really doesn't show up until later, and he's speaking with this typewriter uh, that, that speaks the robotic voice for him. And then there's there's lions running around. There's, oh, fuck. The worst chase scene I've seen in a long time. It's just, it's just, it's aberrant. I, 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 just, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Will, what do you got to say? <laughs> this, this guy, Rufus, this guy, Rufus, was in the film we're going to be covering at some point. He was in Polanski's The Tenant. Yeah, yeah, he's been in a lot of you stuff. Know, we, you know what's interesting about a lot of the the cast of this film is that I'm looking at them. The the main uh, female lead, uh, Catherine Jordan, uh, she was in Le Samurai. I mean, uh, there's a lot of French people here that have worked in a lot of cool stuff. And like I said, Bruno uh, Nighten, the or however you say his name, the cinematographer, he lends Possession, the Zulowski film. Yeah. And he also lends that film Chao Pantin I watched a few weeks ago, that kind of noiry French film. And like those two films are I mean, really, really well shot. Um, so that's one thing I found interesting was that there's a lot of talent involved here. How Fleischer fucking duped everyone into this is, is beyond me. But uh, I do want to say this, and I mean this respectfully and with love. Brian, you are such a cunt. I hate you right now. <laughs> because... I was watching this film, and I watched it immediately after The Devils, and I was like, like, 10 minutes in, I was like, I fucking hate this movie. And I, but you know what made me keep going? Brian made me keep going. I thought, oh. hey, Brian is such a good guy, man. I know he's going to watch this whole thing. I can't do that to him, man. I can't do that to him. Well, that's why, when did you, because oh, I should have sent that message sooner. I'm sorry, man. I'm but so uh, yeah, because yeah, as an aside, when Brian sent me a message on Facebook saying, like, man, don't be mad. I couldn't get through this. My copy was fucked, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Fucker. You send me this yeah. message now. <laughs> well, that was the thing is I felt bad because I knew that you were going to probably watch the whole thing and that you would pick the movie and that I was like, I didn't want to be disrespectful in any way. And I'm just not a fan of people that don't give movies a proper shake, you know, and I, I wanted to, but man, it just, 
rubbed me the wrong way from the very beginning. I mean, yeah. I, I was I was almost done with this movie after that opening um, musical scene. But doesn't that, doesn't that take skill to put you and I both off that quickly? I yeah, I really. But but then I was just like, at certain points, I'm like, well, geez, maybe I'm in a mode where I'm watching certain kinds of movies, and then if I was in a different mode, I would be open to this. But there's no way I would I would sit through this movie. It's just. It really, I, I think I have been watching a lot of junkier stuff lately, and maybe this is obviously more of an art house movie, and I love art house movies too. But, I, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just just totally well, went against everything that I feel like watching. Well, the problem is, though, it can be art house, but it doesn't have to be boring. And that's the problem. It's not entertaining. That's the biggest problem the film has. Oh, the it's fun. true. And that's what I think a lot of people have problems with art, the quote unquote art house films, is that they. They can be boring and they can be pretentious uh, in the wrong hands. Mm. And this is definitely the wrong hands. The, the problem with this film is it is the P word, as Miles said, the dirty little word. It is pretentious, but the problem is it's far too self-satisfied. This, I, you know, let me just go through my notes here and just try to fucking plow through these. So, you know, we see the Earth gets put together like a puzzle. It's kind of the stop motion animation and... And it's got some sort of bizarre origin story, and and I'm kind of like, oh, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. There's the robot voice, and you know, I'm kind of thinking of Daft Punk. It's got that really weird eclectic French feel, and, yeah. and I love Daft Punk and their aesthetics. So I think, well, yeah, maybe this will work. And we see the Noah's Art Club, and it's got that blue neon cabaret and the performance where she sings of uh, being moist for a lion. And I think, oh, I'm starting <laughs> to go off the deep end here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's pretty, 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 pretty bizarre, and, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's very bizarre. And and I also noted that she looked like Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby. Or also, what was that French ash actress that had the pixie cut? Not Anna Karina. Um, she looks like Mia Farrow oh, doing an impression oh, yeah. of David uh, Bowie. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, maybe that's who I mean. Uh, I think so. She kind of I can't remember who it is. But one of the prominent French New Wave actresses. But um, the problem with our, this, this movie is it's a very dark film. Uh, and when you get films that are this dark in terms of taking place at night and, and in unlit spaces you better have a really good copy of it and this is a pretty good copy but even still the film is so dark that it's it was tough at, at times to see what was going on um sammy talked about this guy there's a little person he looks to be maybe moroccan perhaps and he's got a unibrow that makes uh ernie and bert's unibrow yeah. look like a sculpted <laughs> metrosexual's eyebrows you, you missed an opportunity there by saying he's moroccan so i think he's moroccan a unibrow he is Moroccan. It, it is incredible. This thing's probably about seven inches. I mean, it covers half of his forehead. I it's mean, like this a, thing's it's impressive. It's like a fucking caterpillar. A caterpillar. It's like a, a family of them. Looks like a, you, a gaggle or whatever you would say. It looks like one. It looks like one of Eugene Levy's eyebrows. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It is just incredible. Uh, and then, of course, that leads to the surprising bush reveal in the car that you guys referenced. Oh yes, masturbation. Yeah, very bizarre. Um, and the Oompa Loompa, or the Oompa Loompa, fuck, the, uh, the unibrow guy, he kind of looked like if James Bond and an Oompa Loompa had a child. Yeah. Well, he kind of, it's funny that you say Oompa Loompa, because the way the film looks, he comes off as like really dark and tan and almost orange. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I said it. So he does totally. look like, but I'm glad his unibrow wasn't green or I'd have lost it. I seriously would have lost it. Rick, that's so funny you mentioned Eugene Levy's eyebrow because I just pictured him with one eyebrow doing the rocks like you know signature eyebrow lift. That guy has things. that guy has the most amazing eyebrows ever. <laughs> they are pretty good. There's who else? There's another uh, English actor who's let his eyebrows. Scorsese. Scorsese's working on some pretty solid ones right now too. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the uh, was it David Hemmings? Wasn't he the one that was in uh, Blood Red? Wasn't he? Didn't his toward the end there? Weren't they like uh, flying up in the air a little bit, combing them back a little bit? <laughs> Deep red, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then Scorsese's are starting to get that way a little bit, man. He needs to trim those puppies up. They're starting to get a little, you know, they're blowing wings, in the man. wind. Yeah, he's got to get the wings on there. Kind of look like Hermes running around. Oh, you know who else? We're speaking of good eyebrows. Uh, lest we forget Lee Marvin. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yes, toward the okay. end, his eyebrows got a little yeah. wild, too. Incredible. But, uh, yeah, you talked about the ventriloquist dummy with the talking plastic duck, and it's really starting to I mean, just sway all over the road here. I mean, it's losing me fast. And Well, you know, you know I'm uh, impressed that you made it that far, though. I, I watched the whole thing. I watched it, the whole thing, absolutely. Because, um, like I said, I, I felt like you and Brian were, were going to watch it, and... You know, I couldn't. Uh, Bri, listen, I, I'm I'm only teasing you, good nature here. <laughs> no, I know, but I do feel bad. I don't like to put people no, through that no, shit. Fuck, Bri, listen, that that's what we do on the show, man. We, hey. You know, if you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this: if it wasn't for the show, though, thirty minutes, then I would have been out the door, man. <laughs> Absolutely, but you're you're you have a legitimate excuse. Your copy didn't work. Such is life. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do like about the film, though, is is like I said, the the Bruno Nightend uh, cinematography and and he, he lights films really well in that you get a lot of blues and he likes to shoot things at night a lot which is I guess a contrast to Possession which was mostly daytime but um, it gives the film kind of like a beautiful melancholy feel that that would have been heightened more by a better picture like when I say picture I mean film um, because the atmosphere is there but you don't you, you don't care you're actually quite annoyed with the pseudo philosophical ramblings and mumblings of the characters yeah. Um, so a lot of the atmosphere and mood that's created from the lighting and the cinematography is wasted. I mean, how is it 51 minutes into a film that it seems like every line that's uttered has me feeling like I've missed the previous 45 minutes of the film? Like, <laughs> every line in this film made me feel like I'd missed every other line uttered in the film, and I just came in at that exact moment, and I'm like, what the fuck is I don't, going on right now? Yeah. I don't know if it, I, it, I don't know if it was important. It a couple of those where I'm like, what? You know, yeah. and I start to check out. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, it's. Ugh. I don't know if it was important to the movie. I don't really think. I think that he just people were just starting to spout stuff after a while. It didn't even really matter what they were saying. Well, that, that's the problem. I mean, Fleischer must have been so high, or I mean, just really delusional that he thinks that by writing, by sort of filling in, uh, what did I write here? I'm, I'm, I must have been writing angry at this point. <laughs> I must have been so beyond high that any. Oh, any filter in writing this was shattered. Any metaphor, parable, idea, fable, etc., is crushed by the weight of his pretentious stringing together of words and phrases meant to right. have some subconscious or conscience stream, but it ends up just ridiculous. Right. What I was hoping for with this movie when you told me about it, what I was really, really hoping for is that thing that I love about werewolf films so much is that dichotomy between man and beast. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping so much for that about these animals that turned into humans and these humans that turned into animals. I wasn't hoping for, you know, werewolf changes or anything like that. I was okay if they did it in an arty way. I was even okay if they would have just put on animal mask and act like animals. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, man. I would have actually. Yeah, I would. I would. That would have been fine. You know, I mean, that would have been okay. But the problem I think is, is I never felt, I never felt like they were animals. No. At any time, I just felt like they were art students looking for a chance to hang and well our students walking around a film and then Klaus Kinski shows up literally for one reason one reason only which he's notorious for is he needed to pay a fucking bill and so he came in grabbed his money and ran (laughs) yeah he does smoke cigarettes really well in this film which he's you know he he does do that really well I'll give him that yes um 
the architecture and the zoo and stuff looked great in this film. I will give it that as well. Yeah, so wonder, some of the aesthetics I what were zoo great. Was shot in. I don't know. Maybe Berlin. I don't know. No, that's a good question. Uh, no, not Berlin. Uh, this is in France. I don't know. Well, that's a good question. Um, the last note I have is if, if you have a cinematic bucket list, and on that cinematic bucket list, there you have a, a yearning to see Klaus Kinski kiss a foaming at the mouth bloody man. This is the film for you. <laughs> that, that was the scene. I was like, wow, this is Kinski. He'll, he'll do anything you ask him to do. Yeah. That guy would have fucked a pig if somebody would have asked him to fuck a pig. Of course he would have, man. He would have punched it in the back of the head, too, to, to get the... Uh, yeah, the donkey punch. Oh, donkey punch. He would have piggy punched it. Piggy punch. So, All right, let's just, anyway, let's, let's just shut let's down the chat. Thing, yeah. Yeah. Let's say, let's say, Brian, you want to rate it or anything, or you just don't feel comfortable rating I, it? I don't know if it's fair I, I, yeah, for me okay. to give a rating. It would be very low, I would say, but okay. I can give a make or break. You know. Okay. Let, let's do it, Brian. Just do your best based on the material you saw. Well, I mean, it's twofold. One, I mean, really, I was pretty much done right after that opening music scene, and and that doesn't sound fair, but it's it's so reeked of like performance art to me that yeah. I was like right away like this guy's not in my headspace because performance art, you know, it has its place, it certainly does, but I'm not a fan of it, and that's what that letting that song play as long as it did oh, yeah. felt performance art like to yeah, me, yeah. but but definitely the the real checkout scene is is the hallway scene. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It, I mean, like we were talking about. I mean, just the way the characters are, it's 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 like they're it's almost self parody. It's like they're facing one person's facing the camera, another person's standing behind them, looking at them. It's just so pretentious. Uh, and the guy crawling around on the floor, I was done. I was really done at that point. <laughs> All right, uh, let me go over a few things. I think uh, my make or break for this is really the lack of Kinski. I, I'll be honest with you. I think if Kinski was in this film more. I think maybe I could have got behind it a little bit more because he's so bizarre. Uh, you know, if they would have let him run with it a little bit, let's say they would have let Kinski play the King of the Jungle, actually put on yeah. a lion's mane wig or something. Which yeah, no, 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 just tease out his own hair. Man. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yes. yeah, You know, give him that and tell him that he's a wild animal, and you know, tell him that he has to mate with all these women. That's the movie I wanted to see. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, that's that's really the breaking point here. I mean, literally, he doesn't. I'm not kidding. I wrote down 63 minutes. He pops in the first two or three minutes, and then it's 63 minutes before you see him again. And uh, that really, really yeah. kills it. That kills it. Uh, most valuable thing about the movie, I would have to say, is the concept of the movie. The concept's great. It's just the execution is terrible. Uh, my score is pretty similar to the score that's actually on IMDb. Mine's a 5.5. I like the film only because I've never seen anything quite like it. Um. But I would not recommend it to anybody, including my closest friends, including or your I, worst enemies. Yeah. Well, let me, let me let me tell you this: me and Will have become really close friends over the last couple of years. If I saw this film outside of the show, I would still not recommend it to Will. <laughs> that's yeah. How. We do that sometimes. We'll just yes. kind of jump on grenades for each other. Yes, I would not recommend it to you. That's what that's. <laughs> that's my thoughts on uh, Zoo Zero. All right, I'm going to make this quick. The make or break was the babbling in the car with the Donald Duck ventriloquist and the masturbating and the unibrow oompa loompa. And it just enough was enough. You're too self satisfied, you pretentious fuck. I just, I, no, I'm done. I was angry. Uh, MVT, Bruno Nighten's cinematography. He, yeah, he at least choice. brought it. Uh, it looked really good. My score for the film is a 2.5 out of 10. <laughs> oh, that's the lowest score in GGTMC history, I think. No, I would rather I th watch. I think Turkish Star Wars was lower than that, maybe. Turkish Star was, Wars yours and was Justin Kelly. Oh, Justin. really? Okay, there we maybe go. Justin Kelly? Uh, yeah, Justin Kelly, I think I might have given it a two. Yeah, fuck this movie, <laughs> man. 
I, Dude, I'd rather watch Justin to, Ke- to, yeah. to Kelly. This honest, thing. And that's honest. one of my worst movies of all time. That made yeah. me my number one. No, I know. I would rather. Well, not anymore. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. See, that's the thing. Like with this, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'd rather watch. I, I literally thought that, Bri. I thought to myself, this is probably the lowest score I've given on the show. And I would rather watch from Justin to Kelly again than this. <laughs> you, guys, you, you guys are braver than me. I, I don't think I could go that route, but I, I don't want to watch this ever again. I do want to see some other Elaine Fleischer films, though, because I got to wonder what, what happened to him. After Let this. me know how those turn out for you, pal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got a feeling I'm on my own. recommendations. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will only watch Richard Fleischer films. You know? <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, there you go. Richard Fleischer. <laughs> All right, that is our thoughts on Zoo Zero. Uh, not quite as good as from Justin to Kelly. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll uh, take a break and we'll come back and talk about the infamous film that is The Devils. We'll be back right after this. Popsyndicate.com. Your one stop for all your unhealthy obsessions. Breaking news and in-depth reviews on all of your favorite movies, music, TV shows, podcasts, comics, books. Popsyndicate.com. We are back from break, and uh, the lion has made me wet. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into some devil's talk. Okay, so we're going to talk about Ken Russell's The Devils, a pretty infamous film. I don't want to give away too much with plot synopsis. There's a lot of plot synopsis out there and stuff. I'll just say that it's the story of uh, Father Grandier, uh, played by one icon, in my opinion, although we've never really had him on the show, I don't think, of the GGTMC. But to me, he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Yes, uh, I agree. He is one yep, of the so most batshit crazy people that's ever walked the face of the earth, not just the silver screen. <laughs> and uh, you know, not a person. I don't know if I, he's. I don't know if he's a person I'd want to be stuck into a, in a bar in Thailand with. No, uh, but uh, he is a person I do like to watch on screen. And unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. But uh, Dustar Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, I don't really. I don't really think the plot synopsis they give here is really that great. So I mean, it is great, but it may give it a little too much. So I'm just gonna. Leave it as a story of Father Grandier, and maybe uh, leave us leave it at that. Let's just go with. And that. It, it should be said, I believe it is based on the Aldous Huxley novel. Yes, it is. Uh, book. Uh, so, and I'm gonna kick it over to Will to get started on this one. Okay, a little palate cleanser after that French fucking brie we just <laughs> yes. we just chewed on. Yes, uh, and of course, <laughs> like clockwork. Like clockwork. <laughs> Hey, he arrives. We're going to talk about Ken Russell's The Devils, which you won't see until you're about 20. <laughs> hi, Daddy. Hi, baby. Mwah. Say hi. Hi, Roop. Hi, you. Say hi, Aww. Sammy. Hi, Sammy. Hello. 
<laughs> Hello. Okay, so Daisy's going to talk about a film now. All right? Tell me, tell me. That's Thomas, your Thomas Pez dispenser. You can hold that. That'll keep you cool for a minute. So uh, this film opens up. Uh, we, we could spend a lot of time talking about this film and the history of it, but unfortunately time constraints won't let us. Um, but the film, you know, we can see Russell says right in the beginning, this film is fact. These are all real people and real events, which is quite different from what you were accustomed to these films where the film you're about to see is based on true events some things have been dramatized blah 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 but i love kind of the bold brashness of russell to kind of say everything in here is true yes <laughs> i think it kind of lets us know what we're in for and it should be said if you're a very religious person and a conservative religious person this film is not for you yes <laughs> in any capacity yes. um no, there's a, there's a reason it was pulled off of iTunes like three days after they posted it. Uh, <laughs> there's some stuff I think Warner's doesn't want people to associate with them. Yeah, and, and Warner's, yeah. Warner's has a real hard time with this film. They've tried to put this thing out so many damn times, and they constantly are pulling it back or shelving it and everything else. They really just don't know what to do with this movie. Hi, they should give yeah. it to someone who will put it out. That's what they should do. Yeah, they should sell it. Yeah. They should sell it. Sell, sell it. rights. I, and... I can't believe criteria. It's a criterion waiting to happen because yeah. it's the perfect movie for them to license. Yeah. Uh, although I don't know that they've done a ton of Warner Brothers films, so they must be reluctant to license. I don't know. Um. Yeah. It just. It's really, really a shame that it work. I know. Um. Uh. Gosh. I'm just. I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh. Mark Kermode champions this film a lot. Uh, who is one of the most respected film critics in the world? Uh, one of my favorites. A lot of our Brishner listeners like him. Um, so the film opens up with this kind of bizarre theatrical scene, much like Satyricon or a lot of other films of its time, um, where we were introduced to the king. And the king, it should be said, is perhaps, and this is saying something, the most fey character in the history of cinema. <laughs> he's pretty. He's pretty fey. He's. Uh, it's pretty great. I, I really liked uh, the aesthetic here. I mean, I can totally see where yeah, this film feels like uh, like a serious Terry Gilliam, Gilliam movie <laughs> in some ways. I I agree with I, I agree with you, and I also agree with Mike, which we'll hear later. But um, the, I thought of Kubrick right away when yeah. I saw this, yeah. and, and and I know it's the same year as Clockwork Orange, so it's a question as to you know Mike Mike mentioned Barry Lyndon. It's a question of who's influencing who, but. They're definitely of a similar filmmakers of a similar mind. You know, they just have their craftsmen. They take time with their framing and their uh, compositions. It's just gorgeous. You know, he just really does a great job. Mm-hmm. You there, Will? <laughs> he might have disappeared on us for a second. Still with the uh, little William. Okay. We could keep talking about it. Yeah, no, I can. Okay. I can see the Kubrick uh, influence. Uh, it's it's there. Well, I don't know if it's influence or influencing or whatever, but they definitely. Well, uh, I think uh, filmmakers they, like similar. yeah, filmmakers like Russell and Kubrick. I mean, Russell. One thing that I'll say: some people hate him. Okay, I've never understood yeah. that because personally, I think he's he's quite a visual artist. I mean, he really is a visual artist, and he he makes amazing looking movies. Now he's made a, he's made some turds. I mean, he's not he's made some bad yeah. movies. But, Certainly, he's made more, you know, yeah. turds than or failures than Kubrick, who yes. you could argue hasn't made too many. Well, Kubrick also didn't make that many films to begin with, so he's kind of true. It's true. It's kind of easier when you only make thirteen movies to kind of hit one out of the park every time. But he, 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 uh, Russell, I've always liked that he he's bolder than Kubrick was because you know he even did yeah. a musical. I mean, he did Tommy for Christ's sake, and you know, yeah. I mean, he just went all over the place, and and he's done. You know, this isn't this is one of his more bizarre films, but I have to say, or visually, I should say, but. He has some other stuff in some of his other movies that has haunted me for my whole life. 
some of the imagery that comes out of his movies. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, this is like, I, was, I in my notes, I think I put like a more twisted Kubrick film. And that's saying something, because Kubrick's stuff can get kind of twisted too, but he, he definitely goes, is is not afraid to go further than Kubrick right. as far as some crazy, I mean, this is a batshit crazy movie. <laughs> it, it, it's almost as if Kubrick had like this feverish insanity. That's kind of like Russell working at the height of his powers reminds me of. Yeah, yep. no, that's a good good analogy. Um. Yeah, the, the scene, you're right, he visually, I mean, Russell's such a strong director. Um, like when the film opens up with that, that scene with the religious hierarchy and all the black and white costumes and and uh, everything, it's just the sheets billowing and everything, it's just it's really, really, really strong. And I mean, speaking of strong, read Rocks or Raleigh Fingers or a Pickle Loaf like it's nobody's business. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's the Cardinal Richelieu. The, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the, uh, the, Al- the Alex, as I like to call it. Yes, the Alex. <laughs> the Alex. <laughs> They ever, forever will be known um, as the Alex. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know. But I, sorry, I was. Well, I was going to say, I even like from the very beginning. You got the the red credits over the shots of the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting choice to do that. You don't see that very much. And also the the opening hymn that is playing um, when they're walking is really reminiscent of the music from the opening of The Shining. If you listen to the melody, yeah. um, the what they're singing, and I don't know. Uh, I think Wendy Carlos maybe, or I think Wendy Carlos composed the music for The Shining, but I don't know if it's based on the classical piece and then this that they're singing because it really does sound. If you listen to the voices, it sounds a lot like that opening helicopter shot music that plays in The Shining. Well, what I know about Wendy Carlos is, is she basically got into synthesizers and she would. Uh, I know she does some original pieces, but what she basically would do is when synthesizers first came out, she would kind of, you know, electrify the uh, stuff of Bach and people like that and stuff, and Kubrick fell in love with that Yeah, so it could be. Um, yeah, uh, with Oliver Reed, sorry guys, I'm, I'm just multitasking here. Um, <laughs> looking at, uh, one thing I like is that they really, and I think it, it was a sign of the times, is his character really is sort of like a rock star yes. of the times. Like yeah. he's kind of, yeah. he's got all the nuns lusting after him, and right. especially in those days, and everything was so chaste, it was very prim and proper, and you know, all the women, they get dressed up to see him. Those are like his groupies, and he's like this rock star, man. It's, uh, it's It was pretty incredible to kind of see that in such a, a, a buttoned-up time. That's really the as far as it would go. And, you know, it's it's, uh, it's very interesting to see that. I mean, there's a lot of commentary, I think, on religion here. And I don't think as much as religion uh, and the church is the backdrop, I think that as much as maybe Russell is condemning organized religions in some way, I don't think it's necessarily just religion. It's... It's the you know the abuse of power uh, more than anything, right? Yeah, he. I think that you know you make a, you make a good point when you say that the, the he is the rock star of his time, and Russell his filmography is fascinated with that kind of stuff. He's always been a big fan of like the popular composer. He made I think he made a couple films about composers, and uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, he's always been fascinated by the 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 man or the woman that everybody is fascinated by. Uh, he's he's done all kinds of films like that. Even the Tommy the musical is basically about you know a rock star in a lot of ways if you think about it. But I think you know you got to think these people had no TV, they had no nothing, you know they had anything like that. They might have had plays and stuff, but they seemed pretty secluded. So I imagine he was like a god to them, well, especially in a town when travel wasn't easy. I mean, let's face it, the Black Plague was going on, which we see and which I think is used. It's unfor- I don't want to say underused because the backdrop of everything else is so visually stunning, but there was enough uh, 
material to chew on and that was strong enough visually with the Black Craig and play it really creates some kind of stunning visual chaos and insanity. But you know, they take it inside the church. But yeah, I think really it you know, at the time, what what would you have? Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of books weren't readily available and it just it would have been a time where you're kinda of left alone with your thoughts when you get this dynamic man speaking about one of the only things that people can do in public and can kind of uh discuss openly. Um you know, you're going to get, yeah, that adoration for him. Right, um, right. And I mean, you know, the, the interesting thing I think they do with him is his character is early on, he, he's, he really walks that line here. He is really uh, a man of contradictions. Um, I think he's, early on, we see he's unbelievably arrogant, selfish, and self-absorbed. Like, when he, he gets, and this isn't spoiling anything, he gets a character, one of the women pregnant that he slept with. And uh, she says, oh, I love you, I want to be with you. And he says, here, hold my hand. Isn't it like touching the dead? Yeah, that's a great line. Yeah, it's just a great line. And, and we see early on, he is, he's just, and I thought he was going to play the role more like a beast than a man. Right. Um, but the further on we go, we see that he is far from a perfect man, but he, in, a, in a, uh, an institution of far from perfect men, he's at least got morals uh, that are more in line with um, what they should be than what a lot of the people in the, that institution are at the time. Yes. Um, like there's another great line when he's strutting through the town, he's strutting that ass as, uh, as one of my, fa- one of my new favorite YouTube uh, videos nice. uh, says he's strutting that ass to the town. And one of the, uh, the townsmen says, Oh, he reeks of sanctimonious whores. It's just a fantastic, uh, line, fantastic description. But you know, you know how I knew what kind of movie this was going to be when we see, um, Oliver Reed. Gorilla press an alligator into a fireplace. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was great. Yes, I just knew what we were in for there. Um, in this film, I think you know Russell's. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of his films. I've seen some, but one thing I do know is that uh, he deals a lot with religion and Catholicism and stuff. And we see how much that looms over a lot of uh, Catholic filmmakers. Most recently on this show, um, uh, Ms. Forty Five with Abel Ferreira, just that Catholic guilt and how much guilt looms over that the faith, that religion, and we see too, unfortunately, how religion uh, at this time. Well, I guess in a lot of times, the commentary is how religion is malleable to suit the person's needs, as opposed to being what maybe it was intended to be. Yeah, well, I think that the well, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole lot about it and stuff, but without giving plot away and stuff, but that seems to be. It's one of my biggest problems with religion in general. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh, I mean, even... Like, the one thing I love that we see is... We see a bunch of these nuns that are they're fantasizing under the eyes of a crucified Jesus. And it's like the perfect men amongst these otherwise perceived perfect men. And we kind of see behind closed doors that really no one's that perfect after all. And I think there's a lot being said outside of even the obvious stuff that that just ties in with, with just human nature on a lot of levels, whether it's sexual or, or otherwise mm-hmm. in this film that Russell applies uh, within the confines of how that applies to religion. Right, right. Um, we talked about the king, and, and he was something else. Uh, <laughs> the human guinea pig wheel was, was wild. Like There's a few things that, again, when I look back at films, uh, when they had to actually make things like this like that human guinea pig wheel they had and then that that pinwheel that was almost like a torture device that lined the town at the end of the film yeah that, yeah. that last shot is is pretty awesome i mean you've seen you see those pinwheels a little bit before that but that last shot is pretty great yeah it is um Gemma jones who played madeline uh 
I never realized that uh, she looked so much like Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If she they were going to do an all male version of this, he could play Madeline. I kept thinking where I'd, <laughs> I kept thinking where I'd seen Jimma Jones before, and then I realized that my wife is a big fan of the Bridget Jones Diary films, and she plays Bridget Jones' mom. Nice. Oh, yeah. She plays Renee Zellweger's mom. I was like, oh, there we go. That's where I've seen her from. Much older now, unfortunately. But. Yes. Um, we kind of see the height of ridiculous decadence and subservience when the one priest is being carted around on a dolly. That was pretty funny. Like, that was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, is you, do you think that is based on truth, too? Or yeah. is that yeah. something they embellished? I think yeah, that's I mean, got to be true, man. I think that I'm sure that happened. I just wondered if it happened with that specific character. You know? Yeah, I think there's yeah. there, there's a lot of stuff that would have happened then that were just I would have wanted to slap people around for like, come on, like, you know, yeah. they they had literally had people I'm sure to wipe their ass. Like it's just that kind of society mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the time. I mean, it's just insane. Um, I love the convent or the church. Like, there's the scene when they're leaving after they've kind of done their initial assessment of some some goings on that. When they shut the doors and there's that red cross, it looks more like a prison than it does a church, which I, which I think really was was intentional by Russell. Right, right. Yeah. Um, there's one priest who, as much as I hate his character, I admire that he has a sleeveless, um, a sleeveless, what's it called? Not a habit. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. What's, babe, what's the, the, the priest outfit called? I, I have no idea. I'm so far removed from religion, I don't even know. But I, I know what you're talking about. He's like... He is like the rock star uh, priest that's kind of coming in. He's like an exorcist specialist, and uh, yeah. he's coming in. That actor uh, unfortunately committed suicide many years later, but he uh, oh wow. he was in a film. He was in some other Ken Russell stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he was in a film that uh, Jamie over at uh, uh, Gore, Gore Press Gorecast told me that uh, check out uh, called Hero Stratus, which I haven't checked out yet. I haven't. Mm. I haven't checked yeah, out yet. I've heard he's, of that. He's in I that haven't film. seen that either. But he gets sleeveless, and he starts delivering chokeholds. Yes, it's fantastic. Which is, which is pretty ridiculously fantastic. Um, Casca. Cassock. Cassock? Cassock. Cassock, I guess. Uh, I don't know. My wife's... I've heard of, I've heard of, a, I've heard of a banana hammock. Yes. <laughs> and it, yeah, there's a, yeah, I'm sure there's a few underneath there. Uh, we see the absolute mockery of truth. And the abuse of power driven to absolutely insane lengths during the quote unquote exorcism. Like there's a cake piping device that's used for enemas and it's just like I can't believe what I'm seeing. Yeah, I know it's there's some some imagery you'll see, and I'll be interested to see the version that Brian saw if he saw what we saw. Well, you know, I'm curious, uh what how long was you guys' cut that you watched? Do you know? An hour and forty nine? Okay, because I think mine was about that, yeah. Okay. But but IMDb lists a hundred and eighteen minute cut, and yeah. you know what? I have a I have I I watched the iTunes downloaded one, but I have a DVD that is advertised as uncut, but I haven't looked at the running time. I don't know if it's actually yeah, uncut. that's the that's the uncut one. That's the Angel Digital one. <laughs> it's not completely uncut though, because there's an infamous scene that was taken out of yeah. even that one, which we're not going to talk about on here, but we can talk about off the air. That I guess if okay. Will gets to go to that film, maybe he'll get to see that infamous scene, hopefully. I'll let you know if the, the thigh bone... Well, that's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the thigh anyway. Bone. <laughs> uh, if you have a nun fetish, this is probably the film for you. It, it, there's just there's so much scenes of, like I said, hysterical insanity. That you get packs of stripping nuns masturbating candles and swinging around. and I mean, you know, I have to admire uh, Russell's skill as a director as much as it looks like chaos you have to 
believe it was organized chaos, but I just thought to myself, what an undertaking to direct a scene like this that is just the height of insanity. Well, from, yeah. what, from what I understand, I have seen the documentary Hell on Earth. Uh, that's not true. It, in fact, was insanity. Uh, many people were hurt. <laughs> many people were groped when they weren't supposed to be. Many people were, oh, yeah. many people were penetrated. They were not supposed to be. Uh, it got way Ooh. out of control. Oh my God! Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it got. Uh, I got to see that. Is that a readily available documentary? It's out there. Yeah, it's uh, called Hell on Earth. I don't know about the word readily available, but it's out there. <laughs> well, I can find it. I'm sure. Yes. Um, uh, there's and again, if you're religious, let me remind you and warn you that you would get the gang rape of a Jesus statue by a, a group of frenzied, horny nuns that. And they're you know they're sitting on the, the face of the statue, just desecrating the statue. Yeah. And, but I have to think that the one nun that was upside down spinning around on that pole had to be a stripper in real life. Yes, yes, fantastic like, shot she, there. <laughs> she's helicoptering on that. I mean, just unbelievable. The uh, that's um, no, that's known as the rape of Christ sequence, and that is um, that's the sequence that Mark Commode himself found. Yeah, because this this footage they thought was gone for good, right? And he ended yes. up finding it. Yeah, he found it by kind of by accident. Good old Mark Commode. Um, I think there's a and there's a fantastic moment that I think only an actor of Reed's charisma and and magnitude could pull off. And he comes in to the church when all this is just at the height of its insanity, and he comes in and he just booms. You have turned the house of the Lord into a circus. And I think never has a truer line been spoken in a film. Yes, like exactly. it is. Just, and the, but the room just stops. Like it just stops and it's silent. And I think that would have only been believable with someone of of Reed's magnitude. Yes, because whenever that guy would walk into a room, everything does stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he really, really brings it. I mean, he is so dynamic in this role. I mean, he is amazing. Yeah, he does really bring it. Like, during the scenes when he really gets to stretch his legs, like the court scene, which Sammy played a bit of in the beginning, you can just see that Reed is just, he is so, you just are magnet. just, the magnetism he has is just really something to behold. Um if you ever wanted to see a rosary as a bikini bottom, this is also the film for you. Nice, <laughs> nice. Like, it's just insane. Um, I love the moment near the end of the film when he wants to see his reflection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I really love that moment. Well, um, there's and- a lot. Of, that goes back to that thing you were saying, Will. I mean, there's a lot of commentary here that uh, uh, Grenier was uh, very vain. I mean, he is a rock star. Everybody wants him. All the women want him and stuff. But the weird thing is that he wants him, too. But I, but yeah. I don't. But I, I, th- I, I interpreted that a little bit differently, Sammy. I, I looked at that moment in the film a lot with a lot less vanity and a lot more humble. I think he had been humbled by his um, his journey a little bit, and I think he came back a changed man. And I, I, I think it. I looked at that moment as more bittersweet than vanity. Yeah, I, I can see it that way too. Uh, I have to say though that the the maddening look of Oliver Reed once he's cleanly shaven is just insane oh, looking. It's pretty terrifying. Um, yeah. My favorite line in this whole film comes at that moment. He's being uh, questioned, shall we say. And one of the, the men that's questioning him says, do you love the church? And he says, not today. Yes. And I, I love that line. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that line because that I mentioned it in the interview with Dennis. And I sort of paraphrase it. I got it a little bit wrong. But but I had read it because Brian Singer, like I said in the interview, had recommended the movie and talked about that line. But the way that I always read Brian Singer's inter- interpretation of that line was that it was during a very, um, y- you know, not ironic scene, but something where he was angry when he said it or something, as opposed to the way that it really plays in the film, where it's a very, it's a really powerful moment. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a re- like I had always seen it as the, like this great like scenery chewing moment in my head before I re- had seen the film, and in rewatching it, I was like, wow, this doesn't play like I had, I had built it up in my head at all. It's it's such a such a great moment. Yeah, it really is. It just wonderful. I only got one or two more notes. Uh, the film, there's near the end of the film, is wonderfully edited. That last speech with the onlookers, with Reed and everything else, and I don't want to say too much about what's happening in that scene because it could spoil it. Um, but it just, it's fantastic, and then it builds up to like you talked about probably that stunning kind of haunting closing visual. Um, so yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, I'll kick it over to you guys. All right, uh, Brian, I'll just run through my stuff real quick here. We'll cover a lot of it anyway. Um, as so often in the case uh, on the show, we have similarities in films. Believe it or not, as bad as that first film was, there is similarities here. I mean, there's some. I mean, I'm not going to go into the details, but I mean, we did get a musical opening number of some weirdness and mm-hmm. some other moments of strangeness and masturbation was involved in both films. So uh, very bizarre. That I don't know how that happens, but it seems to always happen with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, some filmmakers consider this one of the most important films ever made. I know Alex Cox does. Uh, I know Mark Commode does think it's one of the most important films ever made. Um, I would have to argue that it is one of the most important films of the 70s. I don't know if I argue if it's one of the most important films ever made, but I do appreciate uh, that it was made and that somebody took an honest look at you know religion at this time and, and what it really means to some and what it really doesn't mean to others. Because without giving too much away, I mean, you can see that there's a lot to be personally gained by characters in this film. Oh yeah. But, well, I think yeah, just power and, and yeah. the institution of of organized uh, power, the people in power. Yeah. Well, I mean, organized religion is power, right? I mean, that, yes. That's that's as powerful. Especially as it at gets. that time, there was no blurring the line, church and state. Church was state. Yes. I mean, it's really insane. So, there's a lot being said there, and almost too much for us to talk about here. Um, it's been banned so many times, like I said, and, and released, and supposedly going to be released, and. And, and taken off, and occasionally it's come out, and then you can grab it, you grab it quick because it disappears again. And it's just weird to me. It came out on iTunes. I remember Brian saying something to me about that. It came out on iTunes, and it just disappeared again real quick. It's, it's like people just keep squeezing it out. It's like some dirty little secret at Warner Brothers. Some guy behind the scenes is like, I'm going to put this out for 10 minutes. I'm going to call everybody I know and tell them to download it and then go away. <laughs> it's yeah, like, no, I mean, it's it's such a, I mean, it's you can see what the controversy is about, even to this day. I mean, it's. I mean, we've seen a lot of racy films, uh, and and films that were once racy uh, are seem tame now. But this one's still pretty racy, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know that. Like I said, when uh, Will was away for a second, there, I, I honestly believe Ken Russell is one of the most important directors ever, and I think that visually, he can hang with anybody. I think visually, he is one of the most visual and and insane filmmakers that's ever lived. I mean, I think he's got a great eye, and it's really weird if you go back and look at his really early films. He really didn't start out like that. It's like almost like he like he took a pill or something, and all of a sudden he changed. And it kind of really started, I believe it really started with either Women in Love or maybe it was The Music Lovers, which was right before this. But then he became the Ken Russell I know, which is, you know, uh, I'm quite a fan of because a lot of his stuff just got really bizarre and got progressively more and more bizarre as it went along. Uh, I remember Altered States as a kid. It always freaked me out for some reason. I really love that movie, actually. I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, actually, Tommy might be the only musical ever covered on the show if we ever get around to it. 
Oh, we did Phantom of Paradise. Oh well, yeah. I guess you could call that a musical. I call it, I, you call it a musical. I call it a masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, we can t- the the controversial scene is controversial. I have to admit and stuff. I mean, it does. What it's saying is probably more controversial than what it actually is. I mean, we've seen more controversial stuff than that on this show. I know that, but it's just because of who it involves and because of the symbolism it involves. It's obviously very controversial and stuff. Um, they had the. Uh, I can hear myself on the speakers over there. <laughs> they had the uh, sweaty reed going on. He had the spaghetti sweat in bottles there. So that was interesting. <laughs> it's his conviction as an actor that I've always adored. I mean, he, he can come into a scene screaming and yelling, and then the next minute be as quiet as like a snake. And then he, he can go from quiet to loud, better maybe better than any actor ever. And uh, I really found that in- amazing. Uh, the scores for the film, it's avant-garde, to say the least. And uh, it really adds, I'm surprised nobody's brought this up, but it really, really adds to the craziness of the movie. The score is just fucking weird, man. I mean, there's all kinds of noises going on, all kinds of craziness. I don't know if I could listen to this kind of music on its own. I'd probably go crazy. So, Yeah, it's a great score. I can't agree more that uh, it, it brings, right from the beginning of the film, it, it adds to the tone and sets the tone in such a great way. Um, but... But you're totally right about Russell. I mean, it's one of those movies where you, and I think as you and I and, and Will, you've seen a lot of movies. You sit down to watch a movie, and you can tell right away you're in the hands of somebody that is really a skilled filmmaker. Yes. Um, you're just like, because especially if you've been watching a lot of junk, like I kind of have lately. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch something like Old Dogs, and then you watch something like <laughs> The Devils. <laughs> and you can just tell. I mean, there's there's a craft of... Uh, you know, uh, production design, costumes, right. acting, everything. Uh, you know, framing, camera movement. It's it's just like uh, he he is really doing every. He's firing on all cylinders, and he just nails it. Like I said, it's it's Kubrickian, or you know, Kubrick is Russellian, if you want. Right. But the two, I really feel like have a have a kinship of sorts. Mm-hmm. The um, the yeah. thing is, uh, Brian, we should say if if Ken Russell would have made Old Dogs, I'd have been in line a day one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would see that. I would see that movie in a heartbeat. I'll, yeah, he's just got. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just go ahead and well, say just, my last note is that uh, my favorite thing for this film has always been the kind of uh, the strength of Reed's performance and how it shows the underlying layers of humanity. And the way it comes through, I mean, he is very, in a lot of ways, very arrogant. But I like the humanity pieces, the bits, the weaknesses he has, that he's a man of God. And back in these days, you know, you know, he loves women. I mean, it's very obvious he loves women. He can't keep it in his pants. Uh, we know Oliver Reed didn't like to keep it in his pants in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it makes a true comment about society. I mean, I mean, it really makes a statement that still exists. I mean, what do you have to gain by destroying another person and uh it's really you know kind of a commentary on a lot of things we deal with in society all the time nowadays not just religion but you know i mean we're definitely a society nowadays that lives to condemn people we love con- no, we, we love condemning people i mean that's our first reaction we love people fucking up and uh yeah no that's it's our true. favorite thing I mean, it's in the really world. like the as it seems like the, the greater public is always on the lookout for somebody to look down upon yeah and that's what the news is all about, as far as I'm concerned, in a lot of ways, uh, is finding those people that people can feel better than. You know, I'll let you get some notes in there, Brian, and we'll call it a day on this one. 
I think I'm. I think you guys have covered pretty much everything. Uh, my my notes. I mean, it is just a. We've it's been said quite a bit, but Reed is. I mean, he is a great actor. You were you were talking about the quiet to loud. He is one of the most compelling screamers because yes. his screaming is not like high pitched in a certain way. It's not hysterical. It's just forceful. Yes. Uh, and and he so he really brings it uh, in. Like you said, from the quiet to the loud. Uh, he he is he is a fantastic actor, and this is one of the best performances he ever gave. I, think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to also sorry I was I was pulling a train out of a, a playpen when you said about that quiet to loud <laughs> thing. Totally agree with you. His ability to do that sometimes it would almost sound gimmicky or or overly showy, but I think like you guys said, he just commands so much uh, attention because of how good he is that he does that kind of uh, the booming scream just down to the murmur so well yeah well and even just like the pauses he plays silence between lines better than a lot of actors like he knows how to use silence in a certain way that is really compelling yeah he he knows how to use his eyes Uh, there's scenes where he looks at people in this film and he opens his eyes slowly and and moves them around stuff he really knows the power of a look Uh, it's really a shame he never worked with kubrick yeah yeah oh man that. that is a shame i hadn't thought about that but he uh, he really is one of the great actors. I mean, he and like all great actors, he's made some true junk. I mean, <laughs> don't, sure. get, don't get Absolutely. me wrong. I mean, uh, you know, you've seen him in just about everything or anything, right? I mean, uh, Brian, you might have saw him uh, recently in Two of a Kind. Yeah, you, yes. you? <laughs> he was in the John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John classic. Yes, indeed. Also, also in uh, one of my favorites, Condor Man, and you know, a couple others. That's right. Yeah, that was my first uh, Oliver Reed experience was Condor Man. He is not uh, an agent for the CIA. He's a writer of comic books. Yes, <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, let's uh, let's get some maker breaks. Will you want to go ahead? Because I know you got to go here soon. Yeah, uh, I really got to get this elliptical out of the room, man. It's just a death hazard for my son. Um, Did it get him? Did it get him? Is that why he was? Uh... Well, he started. Yeah, he started to climb on it and looked like he was about to roll an angle, and I had to swoop in and, and grab him. Like Condor Man. Yes, like exactly. Um, my make or break is the the circus, as it were, as Mr. Reed put it. Nice. Um, like I said, to um, in control or not in control to get that on film and to orchestrate something like that, mm-hmm. I think is a testament to the brilliant lunacy of this film. Yes. Um, my MVT, as much as I could go with Reed or Russell. Or a lot of things. I just want to go with the overall genius lunacy of it. I think it's to walk that line without falling into complete lunacy is very difficult. And I think all parties involved do a good job of it in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to say that Vanessa Redgrave in this looks a bit like Tilda Swinton, Sammy. Yeah, she oh, certainly. Yeah. She definitely does. And also, we need to say that Vanessa Redgrave is fucking fantastic in this movie. She, she is fantastic. really good. She really, it shouldn't be underplayed. Yeah, yeah as much as we're talking about Reed, she is really great. And it also should be said, for those that don't know, she's one of our other, um, the connection to one of our other yes. patron saints. She's Franco Nero's wife. Yes, Franco saw That's something. Right. I imagine Franco, don't put him on a Tilda Swinton set. That guy will be all over Tilda. <laughs> Come on, cool it now. Uh, my score for the film is a 9.5 out of 10. Nice. Woo. Wow. I really, really dug this film, man. I think there's so much going on in this film that three, four, five, six uh, fully focused viewings, I still would have more to get from this film. 
Amazing. Uh, wow, I didn't really expect your score to be that high. I expected it to be high, but wow. I, I, this is as good a film as we've covered on this show. And it's, I, I say this is the highest score you've ever given to a film on our show. Is it? I think it is. Well, no, because he gave... Didn't you give... I don't even think he gave Kill Bill a 9.5. Well, maybe not. I yeah, I gave Kill Bill... But, you know, favorite film and best film aren't always the same thing. I think I give Kill Bill like a 9.25. Yeah. Um, nice. 9.5. I, I just... I really... Like I said, I really admired... You know, uh, Russell's vision and, and the nice. people he had pulling it off for him. I mean, I think it's a tremendous piece of work. And I do think it's one of the more important films um, of our time, especially of the 70s. I, like you said, Sammy, I don't know if most important films overall, simply because there's a lot of films that broke a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's my score. Okay. So that's good. I totally understandable. My uh, make or break is also. The circus that is the exorcism, that is the craziness, uh, the rape of Christ and everything. It's just it's just a madcap madness of movie making all going on at once there. It's just everything you can imagine and stuff you can't imagine. And also something I didn't bring up in my review, uh, one of my favorite moments about that is where they say they have the ashes of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, they show that they don't actually have the ashes and how people yeah. will believe whatever you tell them if you put the right name to it. That was a fantastic moment. That, yeah, absolutely. Everybody calm down yeah, for a lo- second. What happened there? <laughs> I forget that I forget who that character was, but it's just great how he sort of like got parted in and he did his little thing and he was just kinda like, okay, and then he get then he sort of got bailed out. He just bailed out of there. Yeah. Um, um after my, he sort of revealed the tomfoolery. Right. It was great. My M V T is gonna be Russell. I don't don't think he gets enough credit. I mean he has made some clunkers in his life, but he's made some pretty visually amazing films. Um I'd stick with his 70s and early 80s work. His later 80s stuff is where he really starts to fall off, but he's got some fantastic stuff in there. My score is a 9 out of 10, so it's not too far off. But, uh, yeah, it's a 9 out of 10. I mean, I think this is one of the most important films of the 70s for sure. And if you guys can't find it, uh, find a way to find it because it's an amazing movie. you got to see Maybe it. contact those at, uh, at CDB. Yes. Um, look around. I'm sure you can find it. Yep. You can find um. it. <laughs> All right, Rupe, what you yeah, got? Yeah, you you definitely can. I mean, the the the, uh, the quote unquote uncut version is on Amazon right now. I mean, I don't know if that's sort of a gray market uh, DVD or not, but but that's definitely out there. Um, um, let's see, my make or break, I think, is the the speech that Oliver Reed gives at the trial. Oh yeah. Um, I really like that. I just think he could deliver a speech like nobody else. I mean, among the best speech deliverers <laughs> and dialogue deliverers in cinema, as far yes, as I'm concerned. Yes. Um, so that's a great bit. And I'm going to give it to Reed, although Russell would be a close second. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that Reed would be my guy in this one because I, I really love him. And, I, and he's, a, he's great in tons of films. Yes. And, uh, but but he uh, by the end, I was just so emotionally more engaged with the character at the beginning i was just kind of like in rewatching that when he says that line will that you said about you know it's like touching death i was like oh man this is going to be a hard one for me to connect to i think but i was so connected to him by the end of the film uh emotionally um that it's just a tribute to his performance so he did great um i'm gonna give it an 8.5 out of 10 i, I rated a little lower i think only because I don't know how many times I would watch it okay. in a row. I mean, I need some time after watching it, you know? It's just really heavy stuff, ultimately. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is. Also, that guy that played the uh, priest or exorcist, one last little trivia tidbit, he was one of the bad guys in For Your Eyes Only for you James Bond fans out there. So, 
Nice. Nice. <laughs> Just getting All right. So uh, that is our review of the Devils. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back with a massive amount of feedback. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Frank. And we are from the Are You Serious podcast, and we are here with... Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. I think that's awesome, but I also think that I could do the same thing. What are you talking about? It's just great to have you here and to be able to talk to you, even with all the stuff I've said. Don't shoot it. So I guess just to let people know, we, we cover movies, video games, and we talk about politics, TV, and uh, people who bother us. Basically, we just skewer pop culture in general. I got a bad feeling about this. I think the show is awesome. You should think it's awesome, too. Don't get excited. Frank can get a little full of himself sometimes. I know. The Are You Serious Podcast is available on iTunes and at areyouseriouspodcast.com. feedback i got my uh got my uh clothes on from the bronson flick there my little dance scene from bronson remember that dance scene in bronson there oh yeah <laughs> oh is that what that's from okay <laughs> no I don't, I don't think that's what it's from it just kind of reminded me of that no, that was uh <laughs> i believe that was tiger city it was fake gold i think wasn't it yeah i think so i think so so will sent me a bunch no. of music and i shot a couple of thing hits of ecstasy and just put decided to put them in here so. <laughs> I, before i read the the email we have i gotta take off my um my venetian blind sunglasses so hang on <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Getting the way of reading here, man. Nice. Those, those were never optimal. No, <laughs> I no. For, I, I can't even imagine driving with those things on. Those were never useful at all, as far as I could tell. No, they just didn't they, serve any purpose. Let's cool. let, yeah, let's reduce our our line of sight to about nine percent. <laughs> you know, if you maybe if you like you shook your head up and down really fast, you could kind of see through them. I don't know. <laughs> it's not good for anyone. All right, so we do have a little bit of feedback, a little bit of email, like m- not much, and uh, quite a few, quite a bit of voicemail. So let's uh, get into it. Um, before I forget, um, I'm just going to mention. You know what? Um, I'm off to a blazing start. <laughs> I, can hear, I can hear notes I, being shuffled. <laughs> yeah. No, I just. Uh, OMG and Facebook. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to write down Martin's thing. Uh, I forgot. Okay, so let's uh, get away from that. <laughs> okay, I just want to thank uh, Scott for an email he sent that wasn't for on the air. Um, I'll get in touch with him really soon, Scott. Uh, I'm definitely down for a meetup. Nice. Um, also, uh, friend of the show, Mike Malloy. Um, had posted something from the movie The Klansman, the Lee Marvin film, with some production notes that Lee Marvin had made. Uh, but he had posted it on eBay, and the bidding has ended, so there's not really much need 
<laughs> to mention that anymore. I, w- uh, I wondered. Just, I wondered what that was about. I saw that in the email account. I was like, "What, what the hell? What the hell is he talking about? Is he planning on buying this?" Oh yeah, no. <laughs> just I said to Mike, you know, because uh, he did us a solid that hopefully could pay incredible dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, I said I'd mention that for him in case anyone was interested, because you know a lot of a lot of our listeners love the Marvin. So, how far along is he with the with the documentary? Um, pretty far. He's been doing a, a western, actually, an independent western that he said it looks really good, and I think he thinks it's gonna. It's he's pretty confident that it's going to create a little bit of buzz. Um, he didn't direct it; he acted in it. Oh, yes. oh cool. Um, he said he was uh, out in L.A. doing some stuff for the, I won't mention who, but a couple names that he was trying to get for the Eurocrime doc didn't quite come through. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's he's tra- pushing on, and I think because he's got a lot on his plate, it's, it's you know, it's a, a long process still. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one, in case I forget to mention it in our review, The Devils, Uncut. 35 millimeter at the Bloor Cinema here in Toronto with Ken Russell in attendance. Nice. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, so wow. this is going to be incredible. It's uh, the weekend of the Rumorg Festival of Fear, mm-hmm. and it is Rumorg <coughs> that's presenting it. Uh, this is um, a Sunday night, August 29th, I believe at 9 a.m. 9 a.m., yeah, right, 9 p.m. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> say, it's very, that's a little early for the devils. That's very <laughs> early for the devils. <laughs> very but, late uh, Saturday I'm, night, not very, <laughs> very late. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be there, uh, and it's going to be nice, quite nice. To see. I'm going to get to see a few scenes that I don't think we saw. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple <clears throat> that uh, one in particular one, we could talk about on the air. <laughs> one at the very end of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The very ending, <laughs> ending, uh, which isn't even in the film. But uh, oddly, I knew about that because uh, Vishnu was going. He's going to be out of town the weekend that plays, and he's. I think it was him. He's not very happy about it. Yeah, I mean that's a rarity just to get to see that. So yeah, yeah. I don't remember ever hearing of that screening recently, and especially with him. In yeah, attendance. exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't that, I, yeah, I've never heard of Ken Russell in attendance to uh, one of his films in recent memory at all. No. Yeah, it's, it's, it should be quite nice. Uh, the last one, again, isn't really an email, but uh, a good friend of the show, Emily, <laughs> sent us the awesome <laughs> clip of uh, the Barbarian Brothers in Natural Born Killers, and she says, here's the deleted scene, complete with a half tank top. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get to see the brothers Paul uh, in that scene. Um, you can all find that on YouTube if you put Barbarian Brothers. Yes. Natural Born Killers. Uh, so thanks, uh, Emily. That, uh, they, they, they rocked uh, some serious... Uh, Half halter tops uh, back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah, with the spaghetti straps, no less. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> did, weren't, they, weren't they the ones that did the one strap overall thing? Well, I think we all did the one strap overall thing in that time. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if I ever. Don't know. Uh, don't know if I did in Kentucky. One strap overall makes you an outsider. <laughs> well, I did. I did that, and I wore my suede Ewings or my suede champion shoes. So nice, nice. That's how I rolled in '91. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's it for email. All right, let me get some uh, voicemail going here. Hang on, let me queue them up. I have no names to them, so we're just going to fly blind here. Here we go. You walked into the movie like you were walking into a war. You had strategically placed on top your head, your head just like Fabio. <laughs> You had one eye on your survival knife and the other on a vial. And all the boys thought, is he really 60? He can be 60 and 
You're so veiny. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I bet that needle was full of protein. You're so veiny. I bet you thought it was full of protein. Chicken breast, spinach. Now you can whip a hundred men with just an arrow and little brains. You wiped out two battalions of Viet Cong while it was pouring down the rain. You coached volleyball in Switzerland when it was your time to serve. And all the while you were playing hero veterans, playing hero <laughs> veterans, and you're so veiny. I bet that you thought nobody noticed. You're so veiny. I bet you thought that nobody noticed your arrest, your veiny chest. You know, your head was the size of a pumpkin that was bloated from the sun. You wiped out half of the Burma army with a bow and a machine gun. And you would have done the same in Nam if they had syringe full of HGH. Jesus. I had a dream you made a comedy named Oscar, comedy named Oscar, and you're so veiny. I bet you thought that you were an artist, you're so veiny. I bet you thought that you were an artist, brown glasses, yuppie, veiny chest. <laughs> So I don't think that person needs any introduction on the show at this point, really. So uh, it's very interesting. I often wonder about Zom. Do you think he sits around and writes these down on like a legal pad and stuff? He have to, unless he just got this like great memory or this great improv improvisational skill or something. I do. Uh, I, I picture him like Barry Manilow at the piano, just kind of tickling the ivories, <laughs> tooling around. Yeah, just like oh, he's he's tic know. he's tickling an ivory. All right. <laughs> 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 but uh yeah he, he uh he's a he's a creative guy you know and it's pretty good i didn't have any idea what he was talking about and actually a lot of times with the voicemails we get them in the mail and that stuff and i'll just listen to like the first five seconds to kind of find out who they are so i can label them and stuff so i don't really listen to them all the way i like to kind of react to them fresh on the show so i really didn't know it was a whole song of you're so veiny <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, that was incredible. Carly would be proud. Yeah, and he well, he is he is incredibly vain. I've seen more and more pictures of the Expendables because it's coming out pretty soon. And wow, man, he's he's seriously ripped. <laughs> he's got veins going all over the place. Yeah, he is shredded. Him and Madonna both, man. They're like the veiniest people alive right now. <laughs> Except she looks like a three hundred year old vampire. And yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah. The the the, the <laughs> amount of fa uh, face work she's had done, the Botox and stuff. She's starting to look like a Catwoman to me. She's disgusting. I hate her now. She's starting to freak me out a little bit. Starting to look like I'm looking at Trailers from Hell, the website, and uh, Joe Dante put up his uh, commentary on the giant claw, and that's what she's starting to look like. The awesome, giant claw. Yeah, she's starting to look like the giant claw, which is hideous, <laughs> a hideous turkey, creation. Yeah. <laughs> the turkey. <laughs> All right, next wow. voicemail. <laughs> hmm, gentlemen. <laughs> this And I don't have much to say this week. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that was great. I think he just wanted to get on the show, but he ended up calling back. And I guess I don't know if I got that uh, song before I got that or what, but whatever. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Dom. <clears throat> All right, I'm drinking tea to keep the uh, motor running. You still there, Will? Uh, yes, uh, I am. Actually, I was just. Uh, just we're trying to make sure Will doesn't fall asleep. He's yeah, <laughs> bad, bad night last night, but that's okay. No, uh, I just was doing, just checking something out for the film I'm picking next week. So oh, nice. Apologies. I don't have no idea what I'm picking next week. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that later. All right, uh, next voicemail. Hey, gents. I think I just recorded this again. Anyway, what I said last time was basically just that Corner Gas is a great Canadian TV show. So, Will, not all Canadian TV shows are crap. Corner Gas was great. Watch it again if you haven't already. I, re- I highly recommend it. Catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Java Devil. Java Devil. Has <laughs> uh, he, he called in before? Yep. Okay. Uh, he emailed us a couple times. Yeah, uh, I know he's emailed us. I don't know if I've ever heard his voice before or not. <laughs> yeah, maybe he called in earlier this you. week, and that sounds like it was added to another voicemail, but maybe I got him out of order, which tells you yes. how, how professional I am. <laughs> what, he, uh, you, can't, you can't do that on television? Isn't it a great show from Canada? Well, I, I do stand corrected because there there have been some over the years, but you know, there's sort of a running joke with um, myself, my father, my wife, anyone really, that when you see a commercial on TV for TV, you, you'll just go, oh my God, that show looks so Canadian, meaning it just looks so <laughs> like shit trying to mask itself as like American TV. It just looks so lame. But um, he talks about Brent Button, the gang, which is, uh, it's like a, it's a show about, I believe it's again, I think it's like a, a gas station or a restaurant or something in a, in a, in a community, I think in New Brunswick, I think it's an East Coast based show. And, and I've seen some of it. It looks, it seems okay. It's not offensively bad, but. Uh, and then I know someone else mentioned, um, oh gosh, that singer uh, the, the, from the group The Headstones, I think, is in it, uh, Durham County, <laughs> which uh, actually takes place, it's uh, kind of based on where I live, Durham Region. Um, oh, yes. And uh, it's, my wife actually loved it. Uh, mm. She really got into it, so. I never got around to um, watching that, so. It, yeah, it, it looked okay. And then Trailer Park Boys, of course, I do love, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. have you ever, sorry, I was going to say, have you ever seen a show called Twitch City? It's about 12 years old now, but... A show? Um, oh, Kids in the Hall, I should say, too. Uh, no, I don't know that I have, Brian. It's pretty cool. It's I like maybe one of my favorite... I believe it's Canadian. Um, it's got Donna Keller um, and Bruce McDonald directed at least the pilot. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. But anyway, um, it's just basically about a guy... McKellar plays this dude who's totally agoraphobic and won't ever leave his apartment. Mm. And he has to get roommates and sort of deal with people. And at one point, he has to leave his apartment. It's really pretty funny. It's got uh, Olivia Williams, I think, in it. Um, no, Molly Parker. I'm sorry. I always get those two crossed. Molly Parker. Anyway, that's. I think that's a really great show. I'll have to check it out. Bruce McDonald, we know, is good. And yeah. I love Don McKellar, actually. Um, yeah, I like McKellar a lot, too. Yeah, really good. I like him as an actor, and I like him as a director. Um, what was that one before? Uh, Last night. And Last whatnot. night, man. Yeah, I really like that film. That's a good movie. I like that too. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Nice. So, no, no. so you're sitting around watching TV with your dad and your wife, and the show comes on the preview, and everybody has hockey hair and jean jackets, and that's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, drinking Molson. <laughs> drinking Molson, eating poutine. 
Like, man, that show, looks, <laughs> that show looks Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> you can go anywhere and say, I, there's some shows where I see it and I'm like, oh, that show looks like it's from Kentucky or something. You know, I think that's a regional thing. I guess for yeah. Bri- for Brian though, every, being in Los Angeles, but everything probably looks probably, you know, American production. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, I was also going to say it's it's sad that Will says you know that the, the Canadian TV shows TV shows sort of aspire to look American. Yeah, it is. When for me, a lot of American shows look so shitty. I that, agree. That's too bad. Yeah, if you look close enough, yeah. a lot of American shows look Canadian. You just got to look close enough. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vancouver filming and whatnot. I don't want to slag on Canadian. I mean, you know, I think we have a lot of talent here and yeah, a lot of great people working. But it's just, I think sometimes uh, the production, the co- the the money's not there, but they try to make it look American, which I think a lot of people in countries do, but. Yeah. Whatever. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. All right. Next voicemail. The dynamic duo is back. Me, Metal Mike, have finally caught up, at least with the general Return of Sammy episode of Gentleman's Guide, Throw Down Throne, if you will. And, wow, now, that was a bear of an episode. (laughs) And not just because of the heady content of movies. I mean, admittedly, I've not seen Throne of Blood, but I am pretty much inclined towards Kurosawa's film, so I am going to check it out. The one that really stuck out to me is I want to seriously see Johnny Toe's Throwdown because, honestly, it's like you mentioned, I don't see very many movies featuring judo as the primary fighting art. And, yeah, admittedly, it is not as dynamic as the other fighting arts, but it's still probably one of the more interesting ones. I guess it's kind of strange in that the only film I've really seen actively that involved judo was, oh, Tokyo Zombie a very divisive film, according to some people out there. But I did want to mention a few things, namely William. Oh, my God. You are such a trooper in the episode. You brought the intellectuality. You brought the control. And you run a tight ship. Holy crap. Things on your end were just crazy. But again, not a problem. It made for a very entertaining show. Hot stuff, Rick. Oh, you know, the one thing you should do for your ring entrance is you also have to do to yourself the, ooh, you can't touch me because I'm so hot motion. (laughs) And finally, not to curb on your ideas too much, but I, you know, being the maven of action attraction, it has crossed my mind, not that you mention it, I have not done a Billy Blanks movie yet. Nice. I should actually kind of do some sort of program involving early to mid-90s direct-to-video martial arts films because you know what i don't think i've even mentioned stuff he got cut off and uh, somewhere along the line we'll hear the i don't know if it's next or not so we'll hear the continuation of that so we'll just tackle this right now and, and deal with that later um yeah yeah i mean the hot stuff is that was my intro music man i was coming back i had to yes. come back with a little little hot stuff <laughs> uh yeah he should uh, definitely check out more kurosawa everybody should even if even if even if you are i think brian is an ozu guy even if you are you know, you like your Japanese filmmakers a different way. You, know, you gotta. You no, I, mean, I certainly respect respect all respect to Kurosawa. I mean, yes. he is highly influential and revered for a reason. He's yes. a really great filmmaker. Yeah, Mikey cover he could cover some Kurosawa, but I don't think he's going to find too much Kurosawa with Billy Blanks in it. <laughs> Which it's a shame, really. But um, you know, can you imagine? It would have been the the line in the winter like it would have been like late Kurosawa's uh, Mifune I mean yes. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> all 
All right, next voice. This might be Mikey. It might not be. We'll see. Actually, I think it is. I'm back. I wanted to say on that. <laughs> I wanted to say on that previous voicemail that the the wind's blowing because I know that his scarf is blowing along with his aviator helmet because he's getting ready to get on his private jet. Well, I thought maybe someone had done a judo throw on him, a really good one, and he would in the just air. flying to the air, <laughs> like like a Dragon Ball Z character or something. Just keeps keeps flying through the air. It's right. uh, Gary Daniels. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. And I'm better than ever. Metal Mike is back because your voicemail hung up on me again. And anyways, to continue my thought on the early to mid '90s threat to video martial arts stuff, again. I've only mentioned Cynthia Rothrock once on my show, and that was a completely mistaken identity situation. And I've yet to do a Donna Dragon Wilson one as well. So, again, hope you both don't mind. You kind of gave me the idea. Maybe Billy Blanks sometime down the road deserves his shot. But, again, Will and Return to Rick, you both take it easy. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Nice. Nice. Um... Have we ever talked about covering any Don the Dragon Wilson on the show? I don't think we have, have we? Sadly, we haven't talked about it. That's right. Might have to get around to some dragon. We also, <laughs> lest we forget, uh, Oliver Gruner, uh, <laughs> the Al- Oliver Gruner Albert Pian Opus Nemesis. Oh, yeah. Is it Gruner or is it Grenier? Could be Grenier. He is Francais, so. <laughs> yeah, Francais. Uh, I think it might be, it might be Green. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I, there's actually a few of his films I have uh, thought about putting on the show. Uh, okay, we'll just keep moving along here. Next voicemail. Hey, Jens, it's Emily. I just wanted to quickly comment on I forget whose comment. It might have been Mike. I don't remember. Um, someone who kind of inferred that there are no good, exciting American directors to watch. I can't disagree more, and I can, it's kind of one of those um, questions that I always disagree with because I think in any time period, um, there's always directors and movies out there that you just might not see the time that they're released. And sorry, I'm out of breath. I'm walking here for the train. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's to say, like, oh, in 2010, there's no good directors. There are, just like there were in, in 1985 when we just weren't paying attention to them at the time. Right now, I mean, you have Ty West, you have. I would say um, Maurice Devereaux, who's Canadian, who did End of the Line and Slashers, and is a really interesting director to watch. The guy who did Mandy Lane. Um, I, I could probably make a list if I really wanted to research and find, like, you know, directors under the age of 35 or something who are out there making great movies. But I think they're always out there, and that's it's just a matter of they're not always easy to find. But um, you just have to look. That's all. Goodbye. Right. Hopefully she caught her breath when she caught her train. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, she's got a point. I mean, I'm sure there is somebody out there somewhere that I just, you know, have overlooked. I mean, there's people out there that are okay. I don't think that the – there's people out there that are really good, uh, American directors. Can you guys think of anybody off the top of your head, though? I'd like mention. new, like under thirty-five. She's talking about age-wise. Yeah, or, y- or young. I didn't miss this comment. I don't. I don't know what the specific comment was. What had happened was Will and I had had a phone conversation that the great horror directors. It started out as a Masters of Horror conversation. Oh, and, okay. That's how the whole Carpenter thing got started. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. The Carpenter thing got started that way, and we were talking about these, you know, young American filmmakers. You got to think about the seventies, and the young American horror movement was pretty. You know, it was pretty awesome. So, you know. And you really think about it now. I mean, there wasn't really... I don't know if there really was an 80s. Uh, well, can you think of any directors that came out of the 80s that were young in the 80s? <laughs> Maybe Oliver Stone, I guess? I don't know. 
it's it's a hard question to answer. I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. It's my problem. Well, yeah, it's it's too early to. <laughs> <laughs> I can think. Of, I can, well, that, the thing is, though, I can think of a lot of directors outside of America that are doing exciting things. But and I mean that goes for everybody. It goes for me from England with the guys coming from England and the guys coming from France, obviously. Mexico. And, yeah, Mexico. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it seems like world cinema. It seems like a lot of the talent is coming from world cinema right now, and it seems like a lot of the homegrown stuff is is kind of like corporate America stuff. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you go to film school and you, you hope to make, you hope to turn into Brett Ratner. You don't hope to turn into Martin Scorsese anymore. But I think really, I think I'm sure there's a lot of directors that if they were given full creative control could be great filmmakers, but the problem is the studios are, have put, as we say, put far too much emphasis on commerce over art. And that's why, I mean, you know, a lot of filmmakers talk about not having final say on their film, which, uh, is maddening. I mean, give some of these people the, the, the final say. I'm sure we'd get a lot of different films. No, that, that could be affecting. I think you're right. <clears throat> I think she's right about Ty West, though. I'm I'm definitely curious. Yes. Uh, although I wasn't as big a fan of Cabin Fever two, or two as a lot of people were, I did enjoy it. But yeah. he is he is definitely one to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm very very. Cur- I mean, I loved House of the Devil. I thought it was fantastic. So. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so I'm very curious what he does. You bring yeah. up a good point about and Butch. I, I, go ahead, sorry. go ahead, Brian. No, go ahead. It's okay. Why don't I go ahead? Because I'm just gonna. Go <laughs> well, I was just gonna throw up something. I was gonna throw up something to Will. Uh, I didn't know if he knew this or not, so I was just gonna kind of ask him on the air. Do you have any idea, Will, what the budget for Enter the Void was? I'm gonna guess because it wasn't a Hollywood film. Despite thinking it would have been considerably higher, I would say twenty to thirty million dollars U.S. The movie cost $12 million to make. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I mean, and it looks like, you know, a couple hundred million. Yeah, and Brian, I know you haven't seen or it yet. a hundred million. I haven't seen it yet, but when you see it, just think, remember, it only cost $12 million to make. I, 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 it looks like a blockbuster. That's insane. I mean, I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Noe, he just really stretches a dime. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm always impressed with the directors who can still do that. I mean, uh, Rob Rodriguez, I have to admit, even though I didn't really love Predators, it looks like a hundred and fifty million dollar movie, and it's only like I think a forty million dollar movie. Nice, but it, yeah, Rodriguez. I'm still always, excited. Sorry, I was gonna say I'm still excited to see Predators. I, I didn't get a chance to catch it yet. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. But I mean, still, it looks like a it looks like it costs one hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars, but it, it only costs like forty. Yes. I think <clears throat> it was pretty amazing. Now that is that is definitely a skill that is seeming to dissipate, at least amongst American filmmakers. Yeah, of a certain group. It just—I I mean, I, I keep looking at box office mojo every time new movies come out, and I'm always kind of like waiting for the budgets to come down. But there's always there seems to be a lot, just like a hot a lot of 150 million dollar, 200 million dollar price tags, and I just it doesn't make sense to me. I know you can do it for less, you know, if you have the right person. I don't know why it becomes a thing where I feel like they they feel like they have to spend that money because that is now quote unquote what a movie costs. Yeah, and I just don't buy that, you know. Yeah, that's what a, that's what a tentpole movie costs now. So everybody has to go out and pay. It's the same thing with actors, you know. You you pay Nicholas Cage twenty million, so you got to pay, you know, this guy. You got to pay Will Smith twenty million. You got to pay this guy twenty million. Now who's going to be the twenty five million guy? Although I think that's kind of went away a little bit lately, but it'll it'll come back. Yeah, I was gonna say. I wonder. I wonder if that's what what's inflating the costs, or I don't know. <laughs> Well, we could we could talk about that. That could be a whole show, so I'm not going to go talk too much. Yeah, about I agree. It. I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right, next voicemail. 
Gentlemen, it's Scott in Toronto calling. It is a hot and steamy Wednesday evening here. Um, my wife and kids are out of town for a couple of days, so I'm sort of a born-again bachelor, and I'm doing all of the great bachelor things. Like this, this, this voicemail starts off almost in, on the wrong foot. I think, you know, it's hot and steamy. His wife and kids are out of town. <laughs> you know, thinking, hey, Scott, buddy, come on now. <laughs> Steam cleaning the carpets like oh. I was asked to do. Well, see, that wasn't, that, that wasn't exciting. I'm doing that. I am sweating like a pig. I got some spaghetti sweat going. But nice, nice. I live in a mostly Polish neighborhood, so I guess pierogi sweat, maybe? I'm not sure if you guys have tackled that subject. And I just sat down and watched a crazy little movie that I'm sure everyone knows, but I just discovered it called Mighty Pink King Man oh, nice. by the Shaw Brothers. Nice. Oh, my God. How have I not even seen this one before? <laughs> I'm sitting here drinking a beer, and I'm just going nuts over this. I mean, it's cheesy, cheesy, cheesy. But, um, you know, I'm sure it was done as a ripoff of the uh, De Laurentiis production in the 70s. But this thing is way more entertaining than that one. You know, it's it's pretty nicely paced. It moves along. The special effects do suck, you know. They make Toho look like IOM. But uh, it works, you know, and they, and they brought in all these live animals for different jungle things. There's some pretty good tiger wrestling in this one. <laughs> and this blonde, uh, you know, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle character they introduced. Nice. It was a pretty nice twist. I hadn't, don't think I've seen that in a King Kong ripoff before. And uh, this lady is pretty foxy. I don't know what she's been in before. I don't even know her name. But, uh, you know, she's got that good late 70s. Uh, look, she obviously shares a hairdresser with Barbara Dare. And, uh, you know, for someone raised in the jungle, she wears a hell of a lot of makeup. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I spotted some fillings in a couple of scenes. But uh, I won't be too judgmental. Some it's good stuff all around. I don't know much about the Shaw Brothers non-Kung Fu stuff. But uh, if there are some good ones that you guys could recommend or cover going forward, that would be uh, terrific. Uh, Will had been talking about Canadian TV, and I agree with him. Most of it is unbelievably shit. It's either really lame comedy stuff, or done, you know, stuff that's done specifically for the export market. It's done uh, here uh, on the cheap, uh, with a lot of tax credits to be uh, exported for various uh, low-level cable stations around the world, and it's really crap. But I'm wondering if either of you have seen a uh, show that ran for a little while called Durham County. It's really unlike anything else I've seen from Canada in quite a while. It is far from perfect, but it's a you know it's pretty gritty, intense stuff for Canada about a serial killer uh, and a cop uh, living in the same cul-de-sac in uh, suburban Toronto. Uh, I remember watching the first episode, and there was just this brutal sexual assault and murder of these two schoolgirls. And I was thinking, and I said to my wife, I cannot fucking believe this is Canadian. It was just unlike anything <laughs> I've seen from here. Anyhow, Jesus. if you haven't seen Durham County, uh, it's worth checking out. It's not too long, maybe eight episode season, something like that. I've only seen the first season. I understand there was a second one, but I have not seen it. Anyhow, I'm sure I'm getting close to three minutes, so cheers. Uh, have a good one. All right. 
Um, okay, a couple things. There's another mention of Durham County, so now I'm going to have to check it out. Everybody keeps talking about Durham County, so I'll have to check it out at some point. Uh, that actress in uh, Mighty P. Kingman, I believe her last name was, uh, I think her last name, her name is Kraft, I believe, Evelyn Kraft, but I think um, the only other film I ever saw her in was a really bad uh, Dracula ripoff. I think it's called Lady Dracula. Yeah, I know she didn't do much. No, she didn't do much. She's mostly known for Mighty P. Kingman, but I, I did see her in a film. I, I went through a phase where I watched a lot of Dracula flicks, and she's German. I do know that, and she made a lot of films in Germany. And that Lady Dracula film is actually, I know it's a German film because the sync, the lip sync is pretty bad. <laughs> There's a lot of F's being spoken and nobody's actually saying anything with an F in it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, uh, as far as Shaw Brothers Rex, uh, you got anything, Will? There's only about 9,000 Shaw Brother movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot. Um, well, was he, did he say non-Kung Fu? Yes. There's a lot of great non-Kung Fu stuff, and of course, I haven't had coffee yet, and I'm not very <laughs> well-rested. So, I, I one that comes to mind, though, and I agree with him, I always find the non-Kung Fu stuff very compelling, because that's what they're known for. I mean, that's their brand. Right. Um, but they did some really fucking sleazy women in prison films. Um, <laughs> oh, something bamboo. God, oh. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's it's if you type in like Shaw Brothers Women in Prison Films or... Something like that. Uh, they did one. It's just insanely sleazy. Um, and then another one I actually just picked up that, that sounded very, very, very cool was called Kidnap. And it's got Loli in it. Um, and it's kind of like a Pulp Fiction kind of film. It, it's, a, it's a crime film. Mm-hmm. Um, or did I say Pulp Fiction? I meant to say Reservoir Dogs. Oh, okay. Uh, in a sense. They put a group of criminals. Everything goes wrong. Um, but, yeah, it's called Kidnap. And uh, that I'll let you know when I see it, Scott. But it looked very cool. So and Low Lee, of course, is always good. You know, uh, well, that I, was, I definitely did look up that Evelyn Craft to make sure I was right. She wasn't that Lady Dracula film, but I was looking through these. Her first film was the French Sex Murders. Did you see that? Uh, does it have another title? Maybe mm, original title. Yeah, it does have another title, but I'm not going to butcher it on the air. Oh, shame. <laughs> <laughs> Casa de Apuento. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Friend, is know. it a Jalo? It's a. It might be. It's got Anita Ekberg in it, and her, oh, and yeah. uh, Barbara Boucher's in it. Wow! Ooh. But there's there's no real strong male lead. Uh, Howard Vernon's the strong male lead, but that's in uh, the the Spectre is uh, played by Robert Sacchi. But this is Italian, so this must be a Jalo. Huh. I have to look into this. Rob, yeah, Robert Sacchi. Oh, uh, it's got my yeah, boy. It's got my boy Gordon Mitchell in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. I I don't know that I... Oh fuck, I don't think I've seen this. I think I've talked about Gordon Mitchell in a Twitter talk with uh, Brian before. About him. Ooh, Rosalba Neri. I love me some Rosalba Neri. <laughs> nice, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, anything you want to add there, Brian? You got anything? No, no, no. I, I'm not that great with the Shaw Brothers. I I've, I'm, I, my, haven't seen nearly enough. Yeah, Even well, Kung Fu. You, might, you, could, you could commit the rest of your life to Shaw Brothers and you still wouldn't get through it all, I don't think. I think that's part of the thing is it's so overwhelming. I mean, I've seen a lot of the flagship stuff, but, you know, I, I think I'd need, like, a solid recommendation from yeah. one of you guys or somebody that I trusted before I'd venture. Because, you know, there's just not enough time in the day. Yeah, I always to, find the best way to get, yeah, to get uh, Shaw Brother films is when, you know, like like Will will say, oh, they got the Shaw Brother movie, and then I'll look into it. And other than that, it's not like I sit around and watch Shaw Brother movies all the time. Because I, I don't know if I've said this on the air before. But me and Will, I know I've talked about this on the phone before, that the, the world of kung fu films in particular, 
that can be a world of complete disaster if you start digging too far into it. I mean, it, there, you can run into some like twenty or thirty films that are junk in a row. But I yeah. think that's what's happened to me too over time. Is I've I've hit some clunkers and just kind of not gotten too discouraged. But it's like you know, I'd be I'd rather rather be watching a Don Doler film to be honest. You know, <laughs> there's plenty. Of, there's still some Doler. That I haven't really caught up with since Night Beast that I really want to catch up with. So nice, yes. you know, there's plenty of stuff. Good stuff. I'll have to I'll have to give you some recommendations, Brian, because you know, yeah, it's good. There some good stuff. I'll jump on that. Yeah, and then let, let us know what you think. Maybe uh, as the show goes on, a couple you've sure. seen because there's some that man, they're just gonna knock your fucking socks off. Nice, sweet. All right, uh, I think Scott called back. I think this is him again. Guys, it's Scott again. I had a few uh, flicks I wanted to chat with you. Uh, so I thought I should call back. First movie I saw recently is a movie called Grand Slam from the late 60s. It's one of these, like, international cast uh, heist movies. Nice. I'd never heard of it, but it wasn't too bad. It was, uh, it's got uh, Edward G. Robinson in it, uh, Janet Lee, and a very young but still completely crazy Klaus Kinski. <laughs> it's about a bank heist that takes place during... Uh, Rio's Carnival, and it's it's got a very good '60s vibe to it. It's a bit slow in spots, but there are some decent stunts, and uh, probably worth checking out if neither of you seen it before. It was a very very interesting, and I think it uh, it sort of uh, it uh, informed a lot of later heist movies. Nice. And I think someone recently recommended The Damned United to you, and I, I, I caught that, and I have to concur. It is just brilliant stuff. Uh, I just think Michael Sheen can do no wrong these days. And uh, I'm not much of a soccer-slash-football <laughs> fan, football. Uh, but you didn't need to be. And I will. I think you said you're a pretty big premiership fan, so you might really like this one. Uh, so check that out. Oh, a long time ago, maybe 15 years ago, 1995 or so, I started a tradition of skipping out on my summer jobs over the lunch hour and checking out movies in downtown Toronto when there used to be a hell of a lot more cinemas downtown. Uh, a lot of people take a long lunch and during the summertime, have cocktails and patios, and I always found it was a pretty good time to sneak out and uh, spend a couple of hours in the movie theaters. And I've, I, I keep that tradition alive today, and I've done that recently. I caught... Um, Night and day, not exactly the type of movie I normally see. I, I can't stand Car- Cameron uh, Diaz. I think Tom Cruise is a complete Looney Tunes. But uh, it wasn't nowhere near as bad as I thought. It was sort of the only movie that fit my schedule that day. Thought I'd check it out, and uh, it wasn't too bad. James Mangold, you know, uh, started off as a real artsy director. I saw... His first movie, Heavy, coincidentally, I caught that back in 95, 96, whenever it was out. I do remember skipping out of work to see that one because I had a huge crush on Liv Tyler at the time. Um, so I, I find it really weird to go from that to movies like 310 Yuma and The Walk the Line, which I thought were both pretty mediocre. And this one isn't, isn't anywhere near perfect, but as far as dumb action movies go, you, you know, you can certainly do a lot worse and... You know, Tom Cruise just has this crazy charisma. It's weird, but it it works. And when I see him on screen, I forget that he's uh, a lunatic. (laughs) But uh, another one I saw uh, over lunch hour was Cyrus. I cannot stand Jonah Hill in the least. I think he's so unfunny. (laughs) But he's counterbalanced here by John C. Riley quite well. 
Um, and it, it's an interesting little film. Marissa Tomei's in it, and, and she's quite strong. But it, I don't really know what it is. It's a quasi-indie movie with a lot of big-name stars. It's sort of searching for the right tone the whole time. It has its moments, but it's, it's really far from perfect. Uh, probably worth checking out, but I wouldn't rush to do so. All right, cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. All right. Well, Scott's got some more stuff. Scott's been checking out some movies lately. Um, Grand Slam. The only thing I know about Grand Slam is I know the music from it. I, I've actually never seen the film. I know Morricone did the music to it, but I've never actually seen the film. I love it. I, uh, I own it. It's good. Yeah, I agree. I, I like it a lot, too. And I, I can't miss an opportunity to, because it's an Edward G. Robinson heist movie and of a similar, I think that's 67. And then the next year he did Never Dull, Mo- Never, uh, Never Dull Moment, uh, which yes. is like a Disney movie. Uh-huh. Um, I think I've talked about it on the show before on a voicemail because it's got Henry Silva and Jackie Lamb in it. <laughs> yes. uh, it's like Dick Van Dyke is a, I'm going to bring, people have heard this before, but Dick Van Dyke is like a, uh, second-rate actor who gets um, confused for Jack Elam's character, who's a, a hitman, and he gets pulled in by Tony Bill, of all people, to uh, be part of this heist, this art heist. And Edward G. Robinson's sort of the kingpin. But um, I like him in both Grand Slam and Never Dull Moment. They're just both heist movies, which I think... It, only in movie world would Dick Van Dyke be confused with Jack Elam. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Jesus. It's, it's funny stuff, though. And, and Silva's <laughs> fucking great in it. Jack Elam looks like a, like a defective Furby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is well, well put. Well put. <laughs> uh, I still have not seen The Damn United. It is on. I think it's on Netflix Instant Watch now. I still have not checked that out. Oh, is it really? i got to put that online because I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Uh, Night and Day. I really don't have much interest in seeing it, but I bet I'll, I'll watch it with my wife at some point because it looks like something we could it's, both watch together. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, uh, he's right. You could do a lot worse. Like I think I mentioned I saw it at a drive-in with the A-Team, which I know I'm in the minority maybe of people that couldn't just sit back and relax and enjoy the A-Team. <laughs> but it was literally an example of like, okay, here's something that's okay and here's something that is a lot worse as far as I'm concerned in, in the A-Team. And so night and day really shines when you put it up against that, as far as I'm concerned. Right, but, right. Um, but yeah, I mean it's silly and kind of stupid, but it was passable and enough. I will so. admit, I will admit this on the air. I, I can tell you this: I would rather watch night and day than I would the A Team. Well, I think <laughs> me too. I, I I don't know, man. Like I'm curious to hear what you guys think of it when you get to it, because maybe your expectations are lower than mine. I don't know where my expectations were with A Team, but it just was not. Yeah, good. <laughs> anyway, um, but I was going to say, Scott mentioned um, Mangold, and I got to say, we, we're always talking about commentaries and good commentaries, and I think it was the commentary for Heavy, uh, where Mangold talks about, I think he did, like, assistant work, but he worked with Milos Foreman, and he talked about Foreman and his early, like, Czech films, like uh, Loves of a Blonde and um, Fireman's Ball, both of which I think are really great, especially Loves of a Blonde. And this really, like, this intimacy with the actors and uh, getting really close. And, like, he talked about how Milos Forman directed and he would, like, whisper to the actors. And and, and that was how he directed Heavy, I guess. Um, yeah. Which I, I think is still a really good movie. Um, but, yeah, it is kind of a weird thing to think of how Mangold has become this, like, really big Hollywood director from... From that point, yeah. Know, well, I think he's become a he's become a Hollywood filmmaker. Obviously, you know, paychecks are probably better. I, you know, I mean, that's just the way it goes. I agree. But uh, he did. He has made good films. I agree. I liked Heavy. I liked. Uh, I even like Girl Interrupted a little bit. I liked. Um, was it Girl Interrupted? It was Girl Interrupted, right? The one with Jolie won an Oscar for. Yeah, 
yeah, that's his. I'm not a fan of that, but but, the, I, but like I totally understand bit. that. And of course, Copland, I think, is a bit of a mid, uh, bit of a really. I love Copland. Yeah, Copland's fucking fantastic. People always overlook Copland. Yeah, that, I agree. That that maybe I'm trying to think if he for me has a better one. I mean, I like Heavy a lot, um, but but Copland's pretty great. You know, that cast alone is just, oh wow. right. People totally overlook that movie. I really I don't know why. Yeah, uh, it's sort of disappeared. Not really, but I just feel like people don't talk about it too much. Yeah, it definitely needs more love. It is such an underappreciated film. Like you said, Bry, the cast is fucking in amazing in that film. Yeah, yeah it's an all-star game, dude. And 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 uh Stallone is fantastic. He's yeah. really good in it. Yeah. Beefy kind of yeah, totally, man. It's a little bit opposite of the HGH. Might be a little bit more of the double quarter pounder with cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the only other thing he said was uh, Cyrus, which, uh, you know, that's the Duplass brothers. They're kind of uh, popular for in the mumblecore movement, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into all that stuff, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Brian, have you seen it? I know I know, Will hasn't. No, I, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, I really like C. Riley a lot in, uh, in those comedic performances, and it sounds like a character that I could get into, although I'm kind of on Scott's, you know, uh, in his camp as far as Jonah Hill goes. I'm a little sick of him, although I don't know if I hate him quite as much. Uh, as it sounds like Scott does, um, but but you know I'm close. I'm I'm with him and Michael Sarah. I'm you know I love Superbad. I think it's a great film, but I'm sort of getting past those guys. I don't know. Uh, don't really want to see him too much anymore. Do I need a break? Yes. So, yes. but I'll probably see it. That's one. That's a total Netflix instant watch for me. Uh, agreed. Uh, that's going to be it. That's it's, I call those convenience watches. Like, uh, you know, I'll check out Nine Day. Sure, I'll check out Nine Day when it's on cable sometime and there's nothing else on. And I just happen to happen across yeah. it. And that's the way I look. And that's the way Cyrus will be for me, too. Even though I don't think Riley's over the top now, I think he plays more the straight man a little bit more in that one. Yeah, it's true. He, but I feel like he always brings sort of subtle comedy that really, like little bits that I always kind of throw away bits that I always kind of laugh at. I can't wait to see him. Yeah. I can't wait to see him when he's like 70 years old and acting. He's going to have the puffiest face. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> he is going to have an amazing character actor face when he's like in his sixties and seventies. I mean, it's going to be amazing. No, you're right. you're right. It'll be like remember, I, I think it was me and and um, uh, Lars Nilsson were talking about character actors' faces and how we don't really have the the great faces. But I think you're right. He's going to be a good face. Yeah, he's, you know? he's going to have a great face. All right, uh, next voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Aaron from. Uh the death rattle on Facebook and nice. whatever. Uh, <laughs> first time calling the show, I thought I'd finally call in and break my silence and leave you guys some feedback. Uh, I'm going to try to call in on a regular basis from now on. Uh, first of all, welcome back, Big Willie. We missed you. Where'd you go, uh, Will? Second, congrats, Sammy, <laughs> on the arrival of uh, the babe, the new son. Congrats. Can't wait to hear dueling children on the show. Yes. Uh, speaking <laughs> of which... Uh, Will, I love it when your son comes on the show. It fucking cracks me up all the time. <laughs> um, second or third, whatever. Uh, <laughs> shit, I should have fucking wrote this shit down. Oh, yeah, I think you guys should use uh, the Cunt Smasher theme song as, like, your official theme song for the show. That would be awesome. Or at least, like, play it on the intro once for me. You know, that would be kind of funny. Nice. Uh, and finally, I watched a movie recently that I think you guys would dig and you guys should cover it on the show. I especially think, uh, the largest of Williams would like it. It's called, uh, <laughs> Blood In, Blood Out, Bound By Honor. Oh! <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a fucking fantastic movie. Damien Choppa's in it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
You think that uh, Aaron's being facetious there? I know he is, man. <laughs> I've told him my love for my hate for Milky knows no bounds. <laughs> uh. Have you guys seen Blood In, Blood Out? Yes, uh, I hate it. I hate that fucking movie. I've never seen it. I've just I, seen the video cover. It was time. on cable. When I was living with a, me and this other guy who played the music together, we were living in this townhouse together. And it used to come on almost every day on cable. Oh, yeah. And uh, I ended up watching it. You know, first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this movie's pretty cool. Second time I watched it, I was like, ah, it's kind of, you know, kind of silly. I ended up watching this thing like 20 times. By the time I got to, you know, the like 10th time or whatever, I'm like, why the hell am I even watching this? I really don't even like this movie that much. And then by the time I got to like the 20th time, I was like, I'll never watch it again. Actually, I'll never, I, I can tell you right now, I'll never watch it again. I'm, I'm done with Blood In, Blood Out. Yeah, it's, uh, I fucking hate it. And the thing is, it's like, you know, some movies very much are adored by the generation of people that saw them at the right time. Like, because it's like this, this uh, Mexican gangster film, um, and it came out in like the mid 90s. A lot of people my age love it because mm-hmm. um, we were in high school at the time. And, yeah, I fucking hated that movie, man. <laughs> oh, God. I gave my brother so much shit because I, th- I think I ended up watching it with him. Nice. And I was like, man, you never st- – why? how could you steal me? How could you play me like that, man? <laughs> uh, I, remember, I remember when I was working at the video store. I mean, I worked at video stores for a long time. But one of the periods was the mid-90s. And that had come out on VHS. And I remember it got rented a lot. And I always wondered if it was just – because of the title and that it was like maybe this um, gangster film or something that attracted people. I remember checking that out to a lot of people at the time. Yeah, people like oh, it. Yeah. People like it. There's fan. That's got a, quite a fan base. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next voicemail. I think it's Aaron again. I think. Orale, give me some choncho. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Aaron. Uh, I'll hit you guys up before you start Recording soon. Um, meant to call back sooner, but I forgot. Anyway, uh, in the last episode, you guys, I think it was the last episode. If it's not, I apologize. But um, you guys talked about uh, Guy Madden and uh, my Winnipeg. Um, I'm not a Guy Madden expert by any means. I've seen three of his movies. I've seen uh, my Winnipeg, uh, the saddest music in the world, which I still haven't finished yet. And another movie that I want to recommend to you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, it's called Brand Upon the Brain. Uh, for what it's worth, which isn't much, uh, I'd give my Winnipeg like a six, and I'd give Brand Upon the Brain like a nine easily. Mm. Um, you can get the, I'm pretty sure you can get the Criterion DVD on uh, Netflix. I rented it somewhere else, but I'm pretty sure it's on there. I'm not sure if it's on Zip or not, but uh, I assume it is since he's from Canada and all. But uh, yeah, you should check that one out. It's pretty cool. I'm um, on the DVD. Like you can pick. Uh, like different narrator tracks when you watch the movie. It's kind of like my Winnipeg, um, you know, silent film. Is someone narrates it the whole way through. Uh, they got like a bunch of different people that narrate this movie, though. Um, the stock one is Isabella Rossellini, but like, honestly, I can't stand her fucking voice. I think her voice is like really annoying. <laughs> um, so I watched it with uh, Crispin Glover's track, and it's pretty good. He actually nice. did his live, and... Um, there's like a band actually playing the score live as the movie's playing and he's reading like the whole uh, the whole script or the narrating it or whatever as the film's playing for an audience, which is pretty cool. And you can actually hear the audience like, you know, reaction in the background. Um, so yeah, that's it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And if you have seen it, I'd like to hear your opinions on it. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye. 
Right. I can tell you right now, I haven't seen it. But if he rates it that high and I rated my Winnipeg a nine, I got to see it. <laughs> so my film might be a perfect 10 for all I know. Yeah, I haven't seen much Madden. I am very familiar with him, him being Canadian. You know, there's a lot of ink is thrown his way, and, and for good reason, certainly. Um, but yeah, I got to go back and check out uh, everything else he's done because he. Uh, what a, what a filmmaker. Brian, have you seen any guy Madden? Like, I, I feel like you'd like him if you... Uh... No, I have. I've seen Careful, and I've seen... You know what? I haven't seen all of my Winnipeg, for whatever reason. I, I really liked what I saw of it. I want to finish it. Um, and this looks really cool. I, I, added, uh, I added it to my queue. I, I don't know how it slipped by me. Um, I tried to watch Saddest Music of the World, and I couldn't, I couldn't get through that. Not that it was not good. It just wasn't what I was feeling at the time. <laughs> Um, but he's he's a really talented guy. There's no question. You know what's funny? Speaking of my Winnipeg, I watched, uh, as I said in the opening, Federico Fellini's Roma this week, and it's kind of his love letter to Rome. And I feel like, in some ways, that Madden must have been influenced by that when he made My Winnipeg, because you know Fellini works in kind of that surreal, dreamy world so well. Quite possible. No, I think you're, you're right. I'm pretty sure that Fellini's got to be a touchstone for him. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me see if I didn't mess up the voice. I think I think we have one more voicemail left, but I'm, I don't know where I landed on it here. Let me just hang on. Gentlemen, it's Mike. Oh, here we go. Um, I wanted to call in and say that I actually watched The Devils again, inspired by the show, because I it's been probably since at least ten or fifteen years since I last saw it. Still as fantastic as I recall it being. Um, Really, you can see. I don't know. If, I don't know what you guys are going to talk about in your review, obviously, because I haven't heard it yet. But um, you can really see the influence that um, Ken Russell had on Kubrick. I think in this film, when you think about something like Barry Lyndon, almost kind of a, a similar feel to the films. Um, and I was thinking, you know, stylistically. The Devils would make a really good double feature with the Clockwork Orange, I think. A lot of those same kind of imagery, that religious imagery, those extreme close-ups and the loud music, I think it would just really work well together as a double feature. Or if you want to do a double feature, you know, based on kind of a subject, maybe put it together with the Witchfinder General. That's just something I was thinking about. I'm, I'm overthinking it, probably. I'm just looking forward to hearing your review, and I think this. I hope this episode is called "Batshit Crazy Actor" episode because you have Foskinski and Oliver Reed, two <laughs> notoriously insane actors. So. Anyway, um, make sure everybody listens to the podcast. It's right at sundown. There's my plug, Will, nice. and uh, NightmareTheater.blip.tv. So, all right. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. How? <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the time. I'm like, wait, well, he's still got five seconds left. What's he doing? So I had to wait, wait and see what he said. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, Russell and the Devil Soldier. Don't really talk about it here, but uh, he brings up good points. It would make a good double bill with Clockwork Orange. Maybe nihilistic cinema at its best. Yeah, I thought of Witchfinder General too. I, I definitely. Yeah, it's got some bits and pieces point. of that. No Prince Valiant haircuts, but close, you know. <laughs> There's close. There's some that are very comparable to the, the Valiant. There's uh, some uh, pickle loaf mustaches in there. There are <laughs> lots of pickle loaf mustaches. I got to say, I, I never saw the the Kubrick connection. I think that's interesting he brings it up, though. Oh, really, yeah, I definitely. Really, it's it. really prevalent, especially in the production design and the, the white rooms of the nun, nunnery and stuff. Yeah, that stuff I can see at the white, the use of the white big time. Yeah, and all the way he shoots oh. it, the people coming into rooms and people on the sides mm-hmm. as they're coming into rooms and stuff. 
Yeah, framing and whatnot. Yeah, it's really. I think that was the last voicemail, but I'm not positive. Let me see what this. I got to say real quick. I I, I dug um, the latest episode of podcast that Dreaded Sundown where they talk about George Romero. Yes, yeah. good stuff. I got to get Very on. Good. I got two episodes on my iPod. I haven't got to yet. So shame on it's me. It's great, Rick. It's it's. I really love it. I think those guys have a great chemistry. Oh, I've, yeah. I've appraised no, it a lot. I love the I, first it's, episode. It's, the first episode's really good. Yeah, this is and this is not any you know different. And I agree, not to spoil anything, but Mike talks about his favorite Romero film being Martin, and I'm totally on board with that. I think that is my favorite too. And I actually called into the show and told him that. But but there's a really it's just a great discussion. This guy's really uh, have it going on. I just I just bought Martin oddly enough not too long ago. Uh, the TV movie. show with Gina, uh, with uh, Martin Short. I fucked that joke up. Ah. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about the Martin Short show and you know Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Let me see if this next voicemail is anybody. Seasons one through six. Hang on. Hey, right, is your name really Mr. Cherry? Huh. Okay, you want me to announce? Hello, this is Val Kilmer. You're listening to Outside the GGTMC, oh Christ, oh God. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know who that was. Uh, I think I know who it was, but I don't want to say their name on the air, but I think I know who it was. I think they might be from the Wolverine State. I also... Oh, uh, no, no, it's not actually, I don't think. <laughs> Oddly, I, but, uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's the vibe I got, but uh, whoever it was sounded a little bit like Val Kilmer. <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> all right, that is all of our. I think that's all of our feedback. If, I, if if we didn't get it, we didn't get it. But that's all I had in the mailbox. So if anybody said anything, and we didn't play it, I apologize. Uh, crazy wacky email. I believe that is it. Yep. Okay, we can do our pleasantries, large wimp. Okay, let's uh, let's get into the pleasantries here. Actually, you know uh, what? I do have one more. Hang on one second. Let's this get is into a, the voicemail then. Yeah, this is a very important one. I have to play this one. This is from a good friend of the show here. It's about hooliganism. Here we go. Ian sent this in to us. Uh, hello, guys. Uh, it's Ian here. Um, haven't fed back in a while, have I? Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I'm halfway through the episode looking at the uh, Alan Clark films, and uh, I just wanted to stop and say, um, yes, uh, football hooliganism really can be that bad in England. Wow. Um, I have been chased a few times by uh, supporters of other teams when I've been um, going to see games. I remember one particular instance um, in Bristol where I used to live um, getting chased because I was with some Swindon Town fans. Uh, That won't mean anything to you, but there's a little bit of a rivalry between um, uh, the Bristol teams and Swindon. And uh, yes... um, I went with some friends of mine who were Swindon fans and uh, at the end of the game we had to be held back in the stadium in Bristol for half an hour while the police tried to get the the Bristol City fans um, away so that the Swindon fans could get to their cars and whatnot without any trouble but unfortunately um, uh, me and some friends of mine got chased uh, chased a bit by some uh, Bristol City fans. Um, It didn't help that one of my friends was drunk and a bit uh, uh, aggressive frankly towards some of them but uh scared <laughs> oh, yeah. the shit out of me and um <laughs> i've i've heard of some real horror stories um a friend of mine got trapped in a uh in a uh tunnel once with uh him 
his two brothers and uh, fans of uh, of an opposing team, Oxford United, um, and either either side of them, and they got the shit kicked out of them as well. And uh, what doesn't help with football hooliganism is that uh, the police do sometimes get a little bit punch happy themselves. Um, it's a problem which really, really blighted um, English football as a whole, uh, uh, like the image of English football, especially uh, the behaviour of um, of um, our supporters abroad. Um, I remember particularly, I think it was the Euro uh, 2000 Championships in uh, Germany. Uh, I know that our supporters made um, real dicks of themselves. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's... It's something to do with the English culture um, being so heavily focused on uh, on drinking as a way of um, as a way of relaxing, and um, you know, drink plus aggression equals problems, as it you know usually does. But um, with uh, with uh, with football teams, it, it's on quite a high scale sometimes. Um, it's it, 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 it has been a problem. It's it's kind of dying out somewhat these days um, I think the increase in, in tickets for a lot of foot, uh, in price of tickets for a lot of football clubs is uh, doing a massive uh, a job of kind of ensuring that the the types of people who, who might be hooligan, hooligans and might cause trouble just flat out can't afford tickets anymore um, it's not to say the problem's been wiped out at all it, it hasn't but it's um it's weird. They always say that um, rugby is a uh, is a hooligan sport played by gentlemen, and that football is a gentleman sport played by hooligans um, or, or supported even. And um, it's kind of true, actually. Um, I mean, like rugby fans like their drinking, but they don't get anywhere near as Larry um, or aggressive, I suppose. Um, anyway, I, I've actually gone over the three minutes. I've just realised. So I will say as well. I don't know whether you mention it in uh, this show. But another great football hooligan film to check out, um, ID as well. Um, really, really good little film, which I think you guys would like. Anyway, cheers, guys. Uh, keep up the good work, and bye. All right. That was Ian. Uh, ID, I've looked that up. Uh, it's not on Netflix, unfortunately. i got to find a way to get a hold of that. i got to check that out. It looks really cool. Yeah, because him and Brian both recommended it as a good uh Hooliganism film. That's really interesting, though. Some of that stuff he says, you know, it just it blows me away. But I mean, it does make a little bit of sense because, Ian, if you were here, you know, and if I took you to an American foot American football game, not a soccer game, a football game, uh, and you get the drinking going, and you're and you're at the opposing. I mean, I was just I was I'm a Steelers fan. I was at a Bengals Steelers game last year. They lost to the Bengals, and uh, it's it, it's almost everything that could happen that I didn't get knocked out walking out of that place. I got hit so many times walking out of Bengal Stadium <laughs> by people who just wanted to mock me. You would not believe it's just insane. Uh, like punched? Uh, well, no, not, not so much punched. Pushed a little bit. Uh, you know, a little bit of there was some spit flying. It's it's pretty common stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, see that's that's pretty, just really turns me off. Yeah. Not, as you guys may know, I'm not. A huge sports fan, and that sort of is one of the reasons why not yeah. that I would go to a lot of live events if I was for that exact reason. Well, see, if I if, but, I, if, uh, if, it, if I'd have been at the Steelers Stadium, uh, I wouldn't have had any problems, right? Because I'd have been part of the home team. People sometimes yeah. identify a little too much with their their teams, and they get a little they take some kind of personal vendetta with it. And I don't understand it, but you know that's what people do. And unfortunately, you get a big bunch of people together and a lot of alcohol and. Sometimes it gets a little weird. I, I did get punched by some Hulk gloves. Somebody painted some Hulk gloves orange. 
and uh, then punch yeah, me. Was, punch, punch me in the. That's an ego. Me? That's an Eagles thing, man. The rip off Bengals fans yeah. shouldn't be doing punch, that. Punch me in the side of the head with some gloves. Didn't hurt or anything, but you know, I'm I'm a nice guy. I didn't fight back or anything. I was just like laughing it all off and just kept walking. You know, it's funny. There's certain stadiums I wouldn't. I would be more discreet about wearing my colors in than uh, yes <laughs> than others. Um, like I know in Oakland, they throw they used to anyway the fans in the black hole. And they look like extras from uh, a road with the Mad Max movies, uh, Bri. They got skulls <laughs> and spiked shoulder pads and everything. But they would oh throw they would throw batteries and cups of piss on the opposing players. I mean, they do it English style, man. Like, wow. You know, they really get into it. But yeah, certain stadiums, like if I went to Philly, I'd, I'd keep my colors discreet. I wouldn't be, you know. But but Green Bay's different, man. I mean, I sat with a bunch of Viking fans and had beers and yeah. had a great time at the game. It's just certain cities are a lot nicer. Um, it, it, well, it also comes out to another thing we didn't talk about. It's also a social thing because certain cheats, seat, certain cheats, certain seats are cheaper, and mm-hmm. uh, especially sometimes like the end zone stuff like that, you get a different element setting around certain areas of stadiums. It depends on the price of the seat. I know that mm-hmm. sounds like a terrible thing to say, but that's just true. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not trying to rag anybody. That's just the truth. You know, no, you're right. Yeah, you, know, you get 50 yard line uh, third row. That's a different fan than uh, end zone 20th row up. <laughs> You can, st- but yeah, you clearly can still get a lot of assholes. Uh, yeah, you can get them anywhere. Yeah. yeah, you can get them anywhere. Just like I think that you get the you know the blue collar guys sometimes will sit in the cheaper seats. I know I go to a Reds baseball games sometimes, and they got like they used to have eight dollar bleacher seats. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, <laughs> those get they get a little rowdy. <laughs> and the th- you know the thing that bothers me, I don't want to give a tangent because we got to jump over here. We're pressed for time. I, my thing is now, especially being a father, and even when I was a young guy and I'd go to football games, um, I would never swear or curse if there was a guy or or a family around me with kids because I just I think it's terrible, man. This guy, this could be this boy's or girl's first sporting event. You got some fucking idiot who's swearing and cussing, and <laughs> it's just like, come on, man. Like, yeah, yeah. That bothers me. It's pretty disturbing. Yeah, but anyway, let's. Uh, that that's it, I think, right for that, feedback. That is it. That is all I have, I believe. Yes. So thank you, Ian. And uh, yes, being a former rugby player myself, I do agree that it is a hooligans game played by gentlemen. Nice. <laughs> um, so as we've been saying, the uh, GGTMC World Tour will stop in Cincinnati in November for Horror Hound Weekend. Uh, we're both going to be there. It's going to be Friday night's uh, I just main found event. Out, I just found out Don's going to be there, too. Uh, Leather yeah. Jacket Buddha's going to be there. It's going to be quite nice. I booked my room. Uh, it's going to be fan- I used Hotwire, and uh, I got a really good rate, so nice, I'm excited. Nice. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's a Facebook group you can check out there. Uh, there's a lot of us going. It's going to be incredible. Um, omg-entertainment.com. Uh, which is, of course, uh, a good friend of the show and good and partner of ours, Martin's website, where, of course, you can find a lot of the stuff we cover, as well as a variety of other uh, excellent, strange films from around the world. And he does have a Facebook group. Um, now, he didn't mention what the name of the Facebook group was. I'm going to take a look right now while we're doing this to see if uh, OMG Entertainment comes up. I found him on Twitter when you guys pointed it out. Nice. Oh, there it is. No, wait. OMG Entertainment, is that it? <laughs> uh, no, that's not it. Um, what In his Twitter, I believe, Sammy, is uh, twitter.com backslash. <laughs> you didn't write it down last time because I don't have it on me handy. 
Oh, I'm fucking terrible. I think it's <laughs> OMG. I don't think it's his name. I think it's OMG. You know what? I'll find it. I'm going to keep going for now, and I'll mention it in a moment. Check out I'm our looking, sis- too. I'm looking, too. Check out our sister shows, Show Show, OTC, CD. Yes. Check out Family Movie Night. Wait, is- how's CD? Are they coming back, or are they? Uh, I haven't, I haven't I- spoken to either one of them in a while, so I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Hopefully, we'll wait and see. Uh, family Movie Night, Movie Meltdown, Chin Sugar vs. Punter. All of our friends at Pop Syndicate, the boards are going a revamp that uh, respectfully so far has proven to be a pretty big disaster um, because everything's been lost that's been posted up until now. So yeah. I have confidence that it'll get restored. It's just a matter of time. So everyone just be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. will get fixed, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, Paleo Cinema, Cinecultania. Uh, of course, Ben doing his MIF report uh, with Mifficultania, episode one. He just did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cinerama, of course. You heard from Sir Ian Loring. Check out his show. Great show. Action Attraction, Better in the Dark. V Cinema, uh, Destroy the Brain. Girls on Film Radio. Um, Gore Press Gorecast. The Glee Cast, which I guess is on hiatus still. Uh, Big Red Podcast. And of course, Mr. Ensley, Mr. Hand, the podcast that dreaded sundown. Uh, Paracinema.net for our favorite genre magazine from our favorite couple in the NYC. NightmareTheater.blip.tv, HorrorCommentary.com. Blogs, we have, of course, Rupert Pupkin Speaks. Uh, Rupert's a little behind, but he's been a busy man, so <laughs> soon come. That'll be something soon. I had, like, four posts in, like, two days, and now I burned myself out. I'll have some more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got Pickle Loaf, of course, which is uh, PickleLoaf.blogspot.com. Deadly Doll's House, Chuck Norris Ate My Baby, Rach on Film, Lightning Bugs Lair, Naked Eskimo, this is Quiet Cool, uh, Heaven's Trash, Big Suck Loser, Death Rattle 13. You heard from Aaron twice in this episode. Yes. Uh, Sergio Leone and the Infield Fly Rule. And, of course, funky16corners.lunarpages.net. You can check out our movie from today, that being, of course, Zoo Zero from CDB. You can check out the pick from me next week at CDB. Uh, that's cinema-de-bazaar.com. Promo code GENTLEMAN for 10% off your orders. Vote for us on Podcast Alley. Uh, iTunes reviews are always welcome. Facebook, friend us all. Join the group. Get in on the conversation. There's talk of Hands of Steel on VHS and Mandingo on Blu-ray going on right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I found uh, the OMG thing. It's, I believe, Twitter's, Twitter.com blacks, ba- backslash OMG web store. That's yes, what it is. Yeah, Okay, I'm ready anyway, to sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. Um, and I'm, of course, Bob Freelander on Twitter, too. If people should ah. follow me there. I'm much more active <laughs> there than I'm on my blog. Sorry, bro. I meant to. Uh... <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. Dude, that's. I was just waiting for an opportunity to plug it. Don't worry. Um, of course. Well, actually, I was getting to it next. It's not. I wasn't at fault at all here. Twitter.com backslash GDTMC for Sammy, uh, backslash Big Willie for me. I'm not on there at all, really, so sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm more of a Facebook kind of guy. Uh, we have a donate button, which if you want to donate a million dollars to us, that would be awesome. We can record for life. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let me let me just say, yeah, GGTMC for life. Life. <laughs> uh, we did get some donations, and I want to thank everybody. I'll thank everybody in the intro. You heard me thank them in the intro as well. But uh, we did get some donations, enough to pay for three months of the show. So I appreciate that. Yeah, oh, thank you nice. very much. I'll have to talk with Sammy because we haven't talked about that yet. So yes, yes. off the air, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. But thank you 
very, very much. Yes. Uh, we're closer to our goal of a million dollars now. Um, yes. <laughs> email, of course, is uh, going to be said by Alyssa, as is the voicemail. So thank you again for everyone that's donated and everyone that supports the show. And next week's picks are going to be what? Sammy, what are you taking? Um... Uh, I don't think I have any obligations to take anything. I got some stuff on roadmaps, but I think I'm going to go off the roadmap and cover one that I've been waiting for Miles to cover, and he just hasn't really talked about it. And he talked about watching it and stuff. So, you know, if he's not going to cover it, I'm going to steal it from him. We'll see if he gets upset. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to do uh, for me next uh, week. We're going to do Neon Maniacs. Oh, oh nice, nice. <laughs> so that's very cool. It's going to be a cool episode then, because for me, we're going to Spain, early '70s. We're gonna do some Paul Nashi. Oh, nice! We're gonna Ooh. do we're gonna do La Venganza de la Momia, <laughs> the Vengeance of the Mummy, which is supposed to be a gore-soaked mummy movie, which a lot of people Ooh. recommended to me back in the day uh, when I pondered whether there were any gory, sleazy mummy movies. Nice. This is the one. This we're gonna, gonna be, get into it. It's gonna be a weird fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool doll. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> all right, so that is everything. Uh, I'll leave it up to Alyssa to give all the. Uh, feedback info and everything and uh i guess that's it so <laughs> oh yeah okay <laughs> I don't, i'm kind of talking to someone else in the background there sorry about that uh okay uh yeah i was talking to my son there for a second even though he's not really talking back uh <laughs> <laughs> he's only five weeks old he doesn't have a whole lot to say he just gives me a lot of looks like are you gonna feed me are you gonna change me uh i told brian off the air i'll go ahead and say this on the air to, to close out the show for those of you who made it through the feedback and get to it i had a great experience this morning where my son uh, was in my lap while I was feeding him, he pissed on me, and I swear to Christ, he laughed or smiled right after he did it. It's like, I appreciate, yeah. appreciate that, buddy. I think we've all had the golden shower from our children at some yes. point or another. Indeed. Yeah, I have recently. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to play the music out. So, uh, adios, everybody. Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com